The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or other use of this broadcast or podcast without the express written consent of Spaced Out Radio or Spaced Out Radio Limited is strictly prohibited. Listener discretion is advised. of British Columbia to you listening around the world. This is Spaced Out Radio with host Dave Scott. Let us play with all our toys and let us think that we're big boys and let us make a lot of noise but we're in the world and let us think we're Superman. You can follow us on our website spacedoutradio.com on iTunes and tune in. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio on Facebook at Spaced Out Radio Show, or on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. Are you playing with Bigfoot and aliens again? Uh, Dad, you gotta stop haunting the goat. It's scaring them. All right, seriously, put down the pointy sticks. Word is. Alright, alright, alright. Buckle up, space travelers. It's time to go for a ride on Spaced Out Radio. Mr. Bumblefoot, Dave is ready for liftoff. Seriously, Dave? Really? Aren't you a little old for a tinfoil hat? Hiya! Toby! Bye bye. Get this free seat of our will be able to take off. 
And welcome to Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott, and it's great to have you along for the ride on this Wednesday, April 5th, Thursday, April 6th, if you're on the East Coast. Hope you're having a great day and night. We are live right here in Uncle Jimbo's cabin, right here in the Great White North. So we are live seven days a week. We welcome in everyone listening in on our chat rooms, in our terrestrial radio stations, WQEE 99, Rock the Key in Noonan, Georgia, and... The United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans. If you're listening in at spacedoutradio.com, on Spreaker, the High Plains Talk Radio Network, Renegade Talk Radio, and on Revolution Radio, we thank you for joining the crowd as well. If you like our theme music, you could thank Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal, formerly of Guns N' Roses, currently of Art of Anarchy. Bumblefoot rocks us in and out of every show of Spaced Out Radio. If you're a social media junkie like I am, follow me on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. Give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. On Instagram, you can follow me at Dave Scott, S-O-R. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download our shows from iTunes. We're also on RadioGuide.fm, TalkStream Live, and on Stitcher. And, of course, our website is SpacedOutRadio.com. If you head over to Patreon.com for as low as $1 a month, you can become a patron of Spaced Out Radios. Check it out today. Now, we do not take phone calls on this show. We do take questions from our audience, though. You have to be in one of the chat rooms. So you're going to want to go to our website, click Listen Live, sign into one of the chat rooms that we got going there, or on Revolution Radio, or Spreaker, or the UPRN chat room, or on Facebook if you happen to be a lucky member of the SOR Space Travelers Club, like Gail, Joe, KJ, I see you all in there right now, and I know there's a plethora more of you. Bob, your beard is looking fantastic as well. I will get to your questions if you're on Twitter as well by using the hashtag SpacedOutRadio. If you head to our website for just 5 bucks a month, you can become an SOR Space Traveler. We'd love to give away swag at the end of the month, so make sure your name is included in that draw. We have a brand new news section called The Encounter Online that we are building. Some great stories on there, courtesy of our editors, Eric Markham, Everett Themer, and their team of writers. You can check out my latest blog there as well. And if you've had an experience you cannot explain... Fill out an SOR Sightlines report. Our researcher, birthday boy Mike Smith, is ready to find out what is going on with you. We welcome in our terrestrial radio stations, 99 Rock the Key, WQEE, down in Noonan, Georgia, the home of the Walking Dead. We're also live on 107.7 FM, the United Public Radio Network, down in New Orleans, and over 160 countries around the world. It's great to be live in Las Vegas on Renegade Talk Radio and on Revolution Radio. Remember, the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Tonight we are delving into the personal experience of having contact with both Bigfoot and UFOs. The events of Jeanette Latilipe 
started in California, but really picked up steam when she and her husband moved north into Cascadia when they relocated to the southern part of Oregon. That's where everything goes from ghosts to Sasquatch, strange lights in the sky, and black helicopters buzzing around. It really had Jeanette really taking notice. In the northern part of California, straight up to British Columbia, there are literally hundreds, if not thousands, of combined sightings of UFOs and Bigfoot. The bigger question to contemplate is, is there a link between the two? It's one of those unknown questions that we, as investigators or experiencers, can only speculate. But when there's one, why does there always seem to be the other? We welcome in Jeanette Latulipe to Spaced Out Radio for the first time tonight. Jeanette, thank you so much for being a guest on our show. How are you? Hiya, Dave. I'm great, and thank you for inviting me on your show tonight. It's going to be a lot of fun, and you are going the distance because you have a plethora of information that you need to get through to the audience because your experiences are fantastic. And I have to tell you, the one thing that really intrigued me about bringing you on is how closely resembled your experiences are to my own personal because mine just started out of the blue. Yours started when literally you were moving into Oregon. You didn't expect anything like that to happen. So let's break down who you are and why you think this is all happening to you. Actually, I I don't have any idea. Um, I know that uh, some of the strangeness that started when I was little, um, special attention was given to me by my teachers in school. I was given teachings outside of the normal curriculum, I went to a parochial school. So the the nuns there noticed a difference. And I do know that I was born with a veil. And generally, those people are uh, are the prophets of the past. They're also in biblical writings, and generally the Dalai Lama is born with a veil. So I don't know if that makes a difference, but I know that I'm exceptionally sensitive to a lot of different things and uh, am capable uh, of doing a lot of things, uh, whether they're psychic things or or they're astral projection or remote viewing. I, I mean, I've done those things, and I don't know if they're related, and I don't know if these things are attracted to me because of that, or I don't know if it's because I'm capable of doing things that I'm able to perceive these events but either way when these events happen there are what i'm able to have them measured or either that or take pictures of them so they actually exist or not something in my mind you're an educated woman as well so this isn't something that you know with your background you're someone who would absolutely be questioning everything that goes on because this isn't the type of happenstances if we could use that word that would be taught in university no they're not and taught in university and i have a very analytical mind my mind was actually trained in analysis for about four years so i do question everything and i dig so you have also a degree in, I believe, psychology. Right. 
which makes you question things a little more when the mind is seeing things that aren't supposed to exist, Jeanette. Right, and I, I'm i very much aware because, you know, I, I was educated later in life, so my education is more current. So, you know, I, I studied everything, I, and and the universities that I went to, the classes that I took, I went there specifically to learn, so... It was difficult. I mean, there are some colleges that are easier and others that are not. And the courses that I took in many colleges are equivalent to having a master's degree. Did you ever expect in life that you would be so dumbfounded, if we can use that term, by extraterrestrial contact, UFO contact, paranormal contact, Sasquatch contact? I don't know really how to answer that except for that when I was a child I've had experiences um, of all different types and um, actually at the time uh, because I was raised in the church I thought that these experiences were my guardian angel were were holy experience something like that and then eventually everything just just kind of accelerated, and um, I had different exposure to different things. I had uh, with girlfriends, and then uh, we had uh, experiences in their homes, and their homes, uh, one of my girlfriends, there was a murder that occurred in her home, and there were ghosts, and we researched the house. I mean, as the years went on in my life, uh, it, it got more intense until it's it's reached this apex where I'm at right now. What do people around you say? Are you very open about your experiences, or is this something that you still keep very, very quietly? No, actually, it, it's very typical. I'm, I'm very open about the experiences because I want people to be educated and to be aware um, I think it's absolutely a name to read a book and say, okay, well, that happened back then, and, and keep the whole thing a constant mystery. I, I want people to know. And, and as a result of my being open, actually, I've isolated myself because people remove themselves because it, it's easier. They surround themselves actually almost in a mental and a social perimeter. And that's their safety zone. And it's okay if I don't acknowledge something exists outside of myself, out of my zone, then I'm not threatened. Well, you know what? It's amazing that you mentioned how you've kind of become or made the transformation from being someone with an extroverted personality to introverted because I was just having this same conversation with a buddy of mine just a couple of nights ago how I used to be very outgoing. I used to be always wanting to go out on the town. I'm the type of guy who would, you know, be a life of a party kind of guy with all sorts of cool stories, whether it's about sports or whether it's about, you know, anything going on. And the more I had these experiences pop up, the more I had these stories to tell, the more I realized that I was actually closing myself off to the world. And I noticed that after I stopped watching television. All of a sudden, you know, watching a hockey game on TV or a football game or baseball, 
wasn't important to me anymore. Watching the nightly news wasn't important. And ever since I turned the TV off, I've seemed to implode inward on my own feelings. Did you find that type of transformation as well or something similar? I think I think most people do, but I you know, actually um this is this is a whole other ball of wax and I and I really don't want to get into it, but I'm just going to hit on this partially, but the thing is when when they have those sensory deprivation chambers, you know, are for some reason when we're shut down and then it's almost like our mind expands, okay? And we can cross different dimensions with that. But that is known about the human being by other people, by if, if you want to say the elite or whatever. Um, it's known by a certain group. And, and because they know that about human beings, that aspect about human beings is being exploited. And they use that to their benefit. And, and that's all I really, I really want to say about that because it's, like I said, this is a whole other, that's a whole other show. Jeanette, one of the things that a lot of people do in this situation when they start having experiences is they start researching. They start researching everything that happened to them to see if they could find something similar. They start researching every type of topic, just cannot get enough. When you started having your personal experiences in Oregon, did you really hit the research trail trying to figure out why all of a sudden all of this activity seemed to be focused around you and your family and your household? Well, actually, like I said, I think um, this all happens because um, I'm particularly talented in, in different directions. And, and you know, a lot of this, okay, I'm going to tell you a story. I wasn't, I wasn't, I had an order to how I was going to talk about things tonight, but it looks like it's going to get pretty jumbled. But when I was in, um, I was in junior college, I was in my early to mid-30s, and um Okay, and so I, I was taking biological psychology, and I went into the uh, classroom, and there was a man in there, and he was very Nordic-looking, almost white blonde hair, blue eyes, and he was built like an anvil. And it looked like he could take a relatively big man without any effort, just throw him completely through the back wall through, uh, from the front of the classroom. And um, so he started talking, and, and I started thinking, and I, I said, well, okay, if you're saying that, then this has to happen. And that man, and, and I was just thinking this, and that man turned around, and he walked over to my desk. He knelt down in front of my desk, looked directly into my eyes, and answered my question. So then he walked away, and he resumed what he was speaking about. Then I'd think another question. And then he would rotate around, come over and stand in front of my desk and ask me directly and talk to me directly and answer me. Anyway, this went on for quite a while. And the other students in the back of the classrooms rocked their chairs back, leaned against the wall, had their mouths gaping open in horror. They could not believe what was going on because they didn't see me or hear me ask a single question 
Yet this man came over to my desk and looked at me and answered all of my questions. So anyway, this went on for a while, and as each day I went to his class, I was getting these headaches, and they were intensifying every day, and they were monumental, and I couldn't take it anymore. So I said, I thought to him, I'm sorry, I have to leave your class. And he said, that's okay. And I didn't want to hear that answer because I was getting a plethora of information that I have never, ever heard again in my life. I'm not even able to look up this information. I have talked to medical doctors regarding what he relayed. They never heard such things that he relayed about the human body and the anatomy and our senses, okay? So anyway, I, I left his class, and there was a quadrangle. So that it's basically a very large patio surrounded by buildings on four sides. It's, it has like an open center. So I saw him sitting on a bench in that quadrangle, and I was in the outer perimeter by the buildings, and there were columns supporting the roof on the edges of the buildings, and I, and I hid behind one of the columns. And I started thinking. And then he, he looked directly in my direction, although I was hidden. So I figured, well, I'd been found out, so I came out from behind the column. And he was answering me when I was behind the column. So now that he's seen me, he took his hands and gripped the underside of the bench and lunged off of the bench and ran across the quadrangle, full steam, I mean giant sweeping strides. And I'm thinking, oh, hell. And then I get up and I have all my gear and I'm running through the crowds and we're putting our arms up and it looked like an I Spy movie and we're blowing people out of the way, and people are screaming, hey, watch it, watch what you're doing, you know? And so, and then at this time, I find myself going down a staircase because it's, my classes are over, and I'm getting ready to go out to my car, and there's three, three staircases that I have to go down. So anyway, I'm on the staircase, and then he is in back of me, but what he does is he stops at the top of the staircase, and he's looking down at the crowd. But oddly enough, I turned around and, I, and I'm looking at him. And here everybody's moving, but yet I'm stationary on the, on the staircase. And he doesn't see me. So at this particular time, I knew that he recognized me by thought. And I, I left my mind blank. And then I proceeded to go down the staircase into my car. Well, then... Shortly after that, I saw an announcement on the billboard. They were going to have a psychic on campus non-credit course. And I thought, you know, that ought to be interesting because I had never seen a psychic in action. I just want to see what there is to it. So anyway, I go into her class, and this woman was completely amazing. And she was asking people in the class, you know, you know um, who could break up clouds like by thought. And I, I know I've done that. I sat down, you know, before, and I... I thought about the cloud, and I did a projection on the cloud, and it just broke in the sky. And then she wrote a comment about everybody in class, about, you know, um, how they would sit in their seat and the number of things they would do. And each and every one of us, she had over 30 students, and she was accurate on each one. So finally, at the end of the class, um, I was one of the lucky ones that guessed the right thing that she was thinking. 
and so she had um, she was going to give us a reading. So anyway, when she came to me, she said, "I'm really, really afraid for you. Something really bad is going to happen to you." And I said, "Well, why don't you tell me what it is, so maybe I can work on it and change it." She said, "You can't. I think you're going to die." And I said, "You're serious?" And she said, "Yes, you're going to die." So anyway, you know, that didn't quite make my day. And um, so I went home that night, and, well, she said I was going to die either that day or the next day. So anyway, I go home, and then um, so it's like the next evening, and my husband is working that night. He chose to, and my two kids were gone uh, to their father's house. And... We had this, we had this freakish electrical storm, and I was really terrified. I mean, I have never been terrified like this before. So I called my husband at work, and I said, "You know, I really need you to come home." I said, "This is really bad. I've never been scared before like this in my life. It feels like it's right on top of the house." And so he wanted me to sell it, you know, to chin up and everything and don't worry about it and he'll be home and things will be fine. So anyway, I hung up the phone and then the walls are going and they continue to do that and I'm absolutely afraid to touch anything. Then I gingerly walked out of the kitchen after I got off of the phone into a little den area through the living room and out of the den area, I looked out of the window. We had open weave drapes, and we had, um, when I looked out the window, it faced the front of the house, and they were like eaves above us that were open. So I, it wasn't really a complete roof. It was more or less decorative. And I looked up, and I saw these lightning bolts, great big, huge, thick things, but they weren't coming down to the ground like regular lightning. They were shooting out like above the roof in a radius. And then so I, um, I can't believe this. And then so um, I, I, was still, I was still trembling. I was still looking at the lightning bolts, hoping that they wouldn't hit the house and we'd be on fire. So I look at the house across the street, and I've seen these drapes spread apart. And, of course, you know, when you do that, that looks like a triangle. And then I see this little head bobbing above the windowsill, and I'm thinking, well, what the hell is that? What, what is he doing over there? And so, anyway, it's my neighbor, and he doesn't have the courage to stand up. He's just watching above my house. So then, all of a sudden, wham, he opens the door, and he's running for all he's worth, almost like he's on fire. Comes over there and pound, pound, pound on my front door, and I opened up the door, and I said, come on in. He goes, no. He said, I want you to know, he said, we have a lightning storm. And I asked him, well, um, yeah, I, I know that. He goes, no, Jeanette, you just don't get it. It's above your house. It's on top of your roof, and it's nowhere else. And with that, he ran for everything he was worth and goes across and opens the door and slams it, and then he resumes his position of the above the windowsill watching it. Well, after the next day, when this 
this whole thing is over, he, um, um, I, I see him coming home from work, and I said, hi. And he looks at me over his shoulder hurriedly, and then he looks on top of the roof. He runs in this house, and this goes on every day, and he slams his door and draws his drapes. So within three days, he, uh, or, or thereabouts, he sold his house, and he moved. Okay, and then and then after that, two days after that, uh, we had open weave drapes, and I'm sitting there in the living room, and I'm studying for my classes, and my children are home. And then uh, through the open weave drapes, I'm looking out the backyard, and I see this circle of light in the backyard. And I see a man standing in it. And, you know, um, um, my husband's gone, and, and so... My daughter's walking by in front of me, and I asked her to turn and, and said, and asked her, do you see anything out there? She goes, Mom, a man is watching us. So anyway, um, at that particular time, I doused the lights, and I grabbed my two girls, and we had a lot of glass in this house, a lot. And, and we ran behind the only place I knew where we were secure and couldn't be seen and that was behind the kitchen uh, cabinets, but right above those cabinets was another window, and off to the left of that was a glass door. So we were hiding there where we couldn't be seen. Well, apparently this guy figured this out. So anyway, he walks around, and I hear the glass door rocking. So fortunately there was a phone there, and I reached around where he couldn't see my hand and picked up the phone dialed the police. So very quickly, the police were able to come out. They couldn't find anything there. So after that, all kinds of things started happening in the house. Like I was sitting down again studying, and my daughter walks by. And what we're doing is it looked like a little ghost house cat. It was made out of blue light, and almost as if it had... Um, like nerve impulses, and it had little dots of light like along the spinal column and, you know, down the legs and the tail a little bit, with bright dots of light on that. And the cat would walk by, and it walked down the hallway, and it went into her bedroom. And, you know, we thought, well, that was interesting, and we didn't see anything after that. And then it all started to rip loose. I had a, I had a beautiful family. And, and, you know, everybody admired my kids. And then the behavior issues just went off the chart. And, and the, um, my, my oldest daughter was on her bed, and she would scream. She said, Mom, at night, this big cat comes out from underneath my bed, and he sits on top of my bed, and he stares at me with glowing red eyes. And years ago, my father gave me a doll. It was absolutely gorgeous. It was all made in silk, beautiful garments, hair, everything from Japan. And when I was little, this doll at midnight, I'd have it on my dresser, and it would turn around at midnight. I would hear it wobble. And finally, until I caught it wobble and it turned around, it would face the wall. The doll would never look at me. And... I put the doll in the box, thinking maybe it was just me as a child. So we had this doll. I showed it to my daughter, and that's 
she wanted that doll in her room. It was just gorgeous. And so at this time and all this stuff was going on, the doll started doing the same thing. It would turn at midnight and face the wall. And then these things would happen like that. So my daughter was so terrified, she started, I said, well, why don't you sleep in your little sister's room? The two of you would sleep together. Then they finally both started screaming because the whole bed was hopping all over the place. And then, and then what? And then one night, because I, I knew I had different abilities, so I thought, well, you know, let's, let's just play around with these things. So I was studying one night, and I was going to try and make the living room table crack, the, the formal dining table crack. So I was thinking about it for about a half an hour. Then finally I hear this really loud pop, and I thought I did it. So I go for the table, nothing. But the next morning, I got up, and I looked at the table, and what I do, I did is crack the leg off from the tabletop. So um, there was that, but and then after that, all this other stuff started happening. Like, we had an end table, like where I studied, and it weighed over 50 pounds. And that thing would find its way into the middle of the hallway. And all of this stuff started happening. Now, I don't know if this happened... Uh, because um, the electricity, if it opened ports or doorways or what it did, to actually maybe things that may be there that we don't normally see, you know. But something opened up all of this stuff. And it was that, it, w it was all the behavior issues with my family that accelerated through the years. I mean, there's so much more. And um, and it was the intense fear that I had. I wanted to gain control of the situation and actually find out what this stuff was. So I, you know, I've always been interested in archaeology. So um, and then I started throwing myself into other things because, um, you know, my religion was nice and it was it was a fluffy thing, but it it didn't answer the hard questions. And only until I went to the sacred mystery schools was I, did I ever really have a better and more complete understanding. It just drew everything completely together for me. And uh, so I did that, and I, uh, I started seeing other things. I started seeing, um, I've seen spacecraft. I had evidence of Bigfoot, and until August 16th was my actual first sighting of one. Um, and and so forth. Question from the Revolution Radio chat room from Man Olive. He is asking, when you saw the man outside, did he look like he was in a holographic type form? No, he didn't. He looked solid as a rock. Now, with the paranormal activity that started happening around you and your family, had you ever experienced living in a haunted house before? No. No, no I actually hadn't. I, um, not at all. Were you a believer then in everything that happened? I, after I experienced it, yes. But until then, you know, if I'd watched something here and there, I had an open mind. I, you know, I, 
I realize that these people claim to have had an experience or whatnot, but, you know, I'm not going to criticize someone and say, although that's not true, you know, because I'm not going to pigeonhole everyone in my point of view. Um, it, it was only after I'd actually experienced this stuff that I, I realized, you know, there there really has to be something to it. But... Um, So when you are having these experiences and you notice that your children are having the same type of experiences as you are, I know as a parent when my children have had experiences, at first there was a lot of cause for concern because you want to make sure that these are some sort of benevolent type entities, you want to make sure that it's not their imagination, so you go through whatever the protocol is that you decide to go through. When you were, when you notice your children having these experiences, did you at all feel more concerned that they were getting involved in something that at their age they probably shouldn't be getting involved in? I, I did. I did, um, but it, it wasn't like an introductory thing. It was, it was an introduction by fire. Um, they weren't taught any of this stuff beforehand. They simply experienced it. So I was trying to help them understand what they've been through um, as best as I could at the time. Does that help? It, it does help, you know, because were your children the type of kids who actually saw things before you moved into that house? Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> No, they, no, they didn't. But you know, it was just a. I mean, we had a, we had a strange thing one time. I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know what was up with it. But um, um, this doesn't even fit what I want to talk about tonight. But um, I, we were decorating the house, and we were fortunate enough to get a new house. And I got an early American bed warmer, and I decided to hang it on the kitchen wall and had a decoration on it ahead of five point star well I thought you know just for the sake of aesthetics I'd hang it up in a particular direction but that meant that my hanging it up there would have the point down okay and I thought well you know a lot of other people you know wear t-shirts and stuff like this on it so it, it, it can't be that big of a deal well apparently not for me so anyway what happened was that nearly two blocks away um, after I just after I hung it up on the wall, um, a large dog went ballistic in its yard. And now all these homes are new, and all the fences are new, so that everything's strong and sturdy. Nothing's worn, and everything's built to code. So this dog absolutely tore down its fence. It ran across the street. It ran into the street that was on the opposite side of my home. It tore down the front gate fence for that home. It ran through their backyard. By this time, I was outside after I hung it, so bed warmer. It tore down the front fence. It ran through the backyard. It tore down their back fence, which faced 
my uh, which came into my backyard. I was standing out there and, and opened that glass door and slammed it as soon as I can before it went splat on my glass door, bearing its teeth down on me after I hung this thing upside down. So, and, and my neighbor, and then, I, and then finally we sold a home, and we're getting ready to move. And oddly enough, I mean, I didn't tell my neighbor any of these stories. And he came over to say goodbye, and he got really quiet, and he sat down at the chair at the dinner table, and he said, oh, and looking at the beams, you know, above the front door because they cast a, a shadow. And he said, you know what? He said, well, I, um, I had a decision to make two houses. And he said, I really like this house. He said, but something told me not to get it. And I, um, I chose the house next door. He said, Jeanette, have you ever noticed that the shadow on the house from the beams? He said, when you walk into the house, it makes a cross. The cross is upside down. And when you leave the house, it's right side up. I, I, I never noticed that. But as far as the lightning goes and everything else, I really do wonder if it was because, because my big issue um, that I was trying to get to in all this there's a big issue of mind control and directing human thought. And they have devices, a lot of them done by DARPA. They have a $24 million project. And that is to control our minds, to direct our minds, to create memories, to erase memories, to give you skills that you didn't have before, or to erase skills. There's incredible uh, effort being made in control right now, and um, it, this control issue is part of the UFO issue. And the thing is, what I was thinking was that because I was able to communicate with this guy, I was wondering why he ran after me. Was he? Was he actually exposing himself to thousands of people every day? Was he, was he looking for something? Did he appreciate this skill or did he not? And then after that, then I get this life-threatening prediction after we had that mental communication, and then there's this guy in my backyard and all this lightning. So I tend to think that that's not ghosts, that that's ETs. And I tend to think that the electrical output probably opened up doorways. Because I have, um, um, I, have um, I have some other material in here that I'd like to cover too about DNA and everything, but um, the, um, Uh, regarding the doorways, I have some uh, pretty neat stuff to tonight to tell about. Uh, well, let me let, let me ask my... let me ask you this first, Jeanette, in regards to your property. Right. 
you mentioned a couple of very curious things that it almost seems like you know there's something on your property maybe a portal or some sort of vortex on there for being a paranormal hotspot did you ever have anybody come over and look at this who might have more experience in this than you no i try i really try to but um okay the deal was okay i'm gonna start from the beginning on the property okay we, I bought the property while I was living in California because I was looking for a place to retire to, some, something that, that we could manage with the finances that we would have in retirement. So anyway, I bought it kind of sight unseen. I just kind of checked it out with a computer and everything, and we came down here. And my husband and I, for the first time, came to look at it, and he wasn't into the kind of stuff that I, I was into. So anyway, we're looking out the back of the property, and we see this giant one-piece rock, and it's highly polished. And it is about the size of a length of a man laying out and with his arms outstretched. And so I'm not saying anything. I'm like, I'm kind of like frozen in my tracks, and my husband says, My God, Jeanette, that's an altar. And I'm thinking, you hit that on the head. So anyway... Um, after that, you know, I talked to, I was in a symposium, and I, I talked to a psychic. It was, he's quite a, has quite an incredible history. He didn't believe in any of this stuff until his brother died. And uh, so I talked to him about it, and, uh, oh, he was married to a medium, and he actually took a photograph, and there was a gargoyle across the fire staring at his wife. Well, I guess you could call it a reptilian if you really wanted to. And I have a photograph that's been documented and authenticated of a reptilian myself. But anyway, so he's, he's there, and he starts telling me, and he says, what you have on your property, he said, is, a, uh, is an altar. And the Indians used to use that to communicate with UFOs. And I thought that was really interesting and um, so anyway, after he did that, um, okay, so fine. And, and then um, I, I came out here to the property, and we start to set up the home, and I'm out here all by myself while my husband's still working in Orange County, and the, the uh, interior of the house is very spartan light. There's no furniture. There's probably about a lamp. I'm still fighting with the moving company to get my furniture in. And anyway, we had... The black helicopters will come out here every day for almost three months from 45 minutes to one hour. So I know that there's something hinky out here. And they would circle my property 45 minutes to an hour every single day. If they were going to remain stationary, they would be on one wall of the house. And that's one of my bedroom walls, and that's where all of the paranormal activity happens and or they would move to the window in front of it just to say hey and they would be at the tree height which is probably about 60 feet at that time and I had no security lighting or anything on the house so anyway at the 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 back door and when I looked out was really dark so all of a sudden I would hear this this noise on the patio, and it sounded like a sledgehammer wrapped in terry, terry cloth 
so you wouldn't hear the clink, bang, 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 on my patio. It was a bipedal walking. And then I would hear the hand slap on the door. Well, I was shaking pretty good. I mean, I didn't have any firearm. I didn't have any light. I was there by myself, you know, in the middle of a national forest. So anyway, this was gone for a while. And in addition to that, um, we had one of the one of the things that happened was that we had um, okay now okay now now that the house is established now now my husband's moved in and everything else. So anyway, one night I hear this. I don't know how to describe it, but a hollering. Uh, well, wait a minute. Um, backing up. There was. Um, I had this feeling. Okay, I'm very very sensitive to EM energy. And as usual, the stuff happens like probably one, two in the morning, around in there, midnight. So anyway, this I, I feel this energy, and it, unfortunately, I hate to say this on air, but this was a specific frequency of energy that was elicited from me. That had nothing to do with the dream or anything else, which is why I was highly irritated. It happened to be like an arousal energy. So I get up, and I'm the house is dark, and I don't want to wake up my husband. And I'm following my senses, and I go to the back door, and I open the back door, and I'm looking around. I'm looking and looking and looking, and there it is. There's a orange orb on the lot next door. There's no home there. It's just forest. It's about 150 feet away from me. It's an orange orb, and if you look at the 2 o'clock and the 7 o'clock positions, if you were to put your finger in the center of it, those pieces were brighter, and they were very jagged. And I noticed that if I broadcast energy to it, it would flare. And and then um, I went to go get my night vision gear, and it didn't show up in the night vision. That's because there was a frequency difference, and the night vision didn't pick up that frequency di- uh, difference as I talked to my engineer friend. Okay, and then so finally I was getting tired. I noticed as I was getting tired it started changing. It started to turn white until finally just pieces of it remained. Every time it flickered, there was less to be seen of it until it just was out. But when it was orange and all this other stuff, there wasn't any light bleed from the um, perimeter of it. It was just blackness on the outside of it. So anyway... Like a couple nights later, I'm, my husband and I are in bed, and I'm hearing these calls. It sounded. My, I have a friend that uh, actually was in Secret Service, and he he trained Navy SEALs and stuff, and so he's been Bigfoot researching for 30 years. And uh, I listened to his recorded calls, and so um, I knew that when I heard this call, it was a Bigfoot call, and I could hear the the human quality in the voice. But what got me when I first started hearing the calls, over my right shoulder as I was laying in bed, it actually sounded like I was laying on his chest. Before the call, before you could actually hear a voice, what you would call a voice, there was this very raspy breath that came out, 
And then you would hear the voice. And you'd hear that raspy breath again, very strong. And then you'd hear the voice. And I heard this a couple of times, and I, I told my husband, I said, do you hear that after I woke him up? He said, yeah, and it sounds really, really scary. And I've never heard anything like that before in my life. And then he looks at me and he goes, can you move? And, you know, I'm all cocky and everything. I, I think, you know, I'm just fine and dandy. And um, I tried to raise, I could raise my head above the pillow, and I probably could move my hand from the wrist down to my fingertips, lift it up a little bit. That's all I could do. And I told him, and he said, you know, that's all I can do too. Neither of us could move. And um, and then a couple of nights later, then we heard. Um, oh, by the way, when he was when he was sounding off, we. Um, we could hear coyotes surrounding the sound. And usually we'll get one, two, three coyotes. This was way more than that, surrounding it. So um, anyway, a couple nights later, we heard the whistling. And it was different than a human whistle because we have to build up to get this whistle out. And and um, we, um, but this wasn't like that. It was as strong from the beginning as it was from the end. I believe I believe it gave out like three whistles. And so anyway, so anyway, after that, um, um, that was done with. And then so like the next day, I go outside. And then on the side of the house there, there's a, there's a left footprint. And I left in the same soil. I left, I could leave, I'm pretty heavy. And so I, I could leave a quarter of an inch impression. This was two and a half inches deep. And about 75 feet away from there, we have a chicken coop, and it's all enclosed, uh, with a chicken yard, I should say. And at the top of the yard, like if I was, I'm 5'3", so if I were to raise my arm right at wrist level, that's the top of the coop, and it was absolutely covered in gray hair, covered. And about a foot and a half down, it had some more gray hair on it. Okay. Um, and at another date and time after that, um, I go out in the backyard, and I am, I, and my breath is caught short. I, I'm not breathing full breath because I'm smelling something that smells like sulfur. I'm thinking, you know, the heck, and it, and and the smell was contained. I would say. In a in a ten foot circle, so I'm out there and and I just like took my last breath and then I had to come into the house because I couldn't breathe unless I came into the house. And my husband is swearing, and he's in the house watching TV and he's saying, "Shut that damn door." So anyway, so I shut the door, and then later on I'm cooking dinner and the smell goes around the other side of the house to the kitchen window where I'm cooking dinner. Right. So I had. Yeah, I had to shut that window, too. Jeanette, I'm going to get you to hold on right there because we are within seconds of going to our first break of the night. I want you to continue on from there. You are listening to Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott. Hour number two is coming right around. While you're at our break, what you could do for me 
is check us out on patreon.com. You can become a patron of Space Out Radios for as low as $1 a month. You can also head to our website, spacedoutradio.com, if you're not there already listening to the show, and you can check out our great features of joining this Space Out Radio Space Travelers Club, the Encounter Online, as well as... You can also check out our great music from Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal. We will be back with more Spaced Out Radio right after this. From coast to coast to coast, Blacklight Uncharted is taking on the paranormal across Canada. From ghostly hauntings to the UFOs flying above in conjunction with MUFON Canada, they're closely investigating what's going on in the northern skies and checking out the apparitions that walk among us. Check out our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com. We want to know your thoughts, we want to hear your experiences, and we want you to share your stories. The answers are out there, and we intend to find them. Would you like to become one of our space travelers? All you have to do is click on the space travelers icon at spacedoutradio.com. For only $5 a month, you can get access to some great prizes, as well as private monthly shows, newsletters, and a members-only section on our website. Become a space traveler today. The third Monday of every month, Spaced Out Radio is going to bring you a different look at everything paranormal. Welcome to The Reporters. Jim Mallard, Vanessa Hogel, Denise Garcia, and Christina George join me, Dave Scott, for a look at the weird and strange from the other side of the microphone. We'll break down ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and the people investigating them. The paranormal media has never been heard like this. Come listen to The Reporters. It's paranormal news at its finest. Welcome to The Encounter. At spaceoutradio.com, The Encounter Online is SOR's trusted news source for everything weird and strange going on around the world. This is news editor Eric Markham. Our team of journalists are scouring the planet for those strange stories that rarely make the mainstream. No fear-mongering or fake news here. Head over to spaceoutradio.com and encounter The Encounter. Hey, this is Canadian Paranormal Investigator Mike Moore. The third Wednesday of every month, I'll be teaming up with Dave Scott to bring you Ghosts of the Great White North. Each month, we will bring on guests from across Canada to discuss their ghostly encounters. Canada is a paranormal hotbed with stories you've never heard, so we're going to bring them to you. So get comfy in your Chesterfield, grab a donut, and join us, eh? Have you had an experience you can't explain? Had a run-in with ghosts, maybe Bigfoot, or seen lights in the sky? Hi, I'm Mike Schmidt from the SOR Sight Lines. I'm here to investigate your sighting. Head to spacedoutradio.com and fill out a report on the sight lines. All your information is 100% confidential, and I will help you figure out what you've been seeing. File your report, and let's find out the answers together. Visit purpleplates.com today. For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. With their money-back guarantee and the many benefits, how can you afford not to get one? Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com. 
for mind, body, and spirit. And expect a miracle. Are you interested in advertising on Spaced Out Radio? Head to our website at spacedoutradio.com and click on our advertising tab. There, you will find an assortment of ways you can get your product out there with us, from radio commercials to banners and social media. Have a product you like our hosts to endorse? We can do that too. Visit spacedoutradio.com for more details. Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com. From British Columbia to Northern California, Pacific North Weird has Cascadia covered. Check out our feature videos at spacedoutradio.com, where I, Vincent Zunza, and my super sleuth partner, Alexandra Sullivan, track down the weird and strange stories from around the Pacific Northwest. From Bigfoot to Mel's Hole, and everything in between. This is what makes life exciting. So why report the normal when we can report the Pacific North Weird? Right here at spacedoutradio.com. There's only one way to rock, loud and proud, in high definition, Radio 702 Rocks, Las Vegas. Every Saturday and Sunday night, as Dave Scott wanders aimlessly in the wilderness, you can come hang out with me, James Tyson, and Spaced Out Weekend. Starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, I'll take you along as we talk with some of the best experts in their fields. SpacedOutRadio.com is the place to find us. So sit down, relax, put your feet up. Enjoy the topics like the paranormal, supernatural, intuitiveness, and so much more. Hope to see you there. Don't have time to listen to Spaced Out Radio Live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today. The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. And hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Welcome back to the second hour of Space Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Good to have you all with us. Tomorrow night on the program, Bill Hauser is back. Yes, we are doing three hours of live Ghost Box sessions. You wanted him back, audience. We've brought Bill Hauser back. So make sure you tune in. Keep your pen and paper ready because it's going to be a very good night starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time at spacedoutradio.com. 
If you want to join us on Terrestrial Radio, you can tune in to WQEE 99 Rock the Key down in Noonan, Georgia, home of the Walking Dead. We are also live in New Orleans on 107.7 FM, the United Public Radio Network with Joe Montaldo, who will be our guest next Friday night, a week to this Friday. It'll be a great show. Thank you, Joe, for letting us run your nights. We really do appreciate that. We're also live in Las Vegas on Renegade Talk Radio. And if you're listening in on double on the Double R Machine, Rene, or make that Revolution Radio, remember, they are a donation station financed by you, the value listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Cardwell has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Boast Trophodon. Boast Trophodon is your password. Make sure you use it wisely, space travelers, because that is your password of the night. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. Use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio. If you want to definitely communicate with me during the show, like Deb, Skeptic, John are doing right now. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. You can also give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes. We're also on RadioGuide.fm, TalkStream Live, and on Stitcher. Our website is SpacedOutRadio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including joining the SOR Space Travelers Club for just 5 bucks a month. You can read up on the Encounter Online, our news section. And if you head over to Patreon.com, You can also, for just $1 a month, become a patron of Spaced Out Radio. Tonight we are talking with Jeanette Latulipe. Her experiences around her home in southern Oregon, United States, are absolutely phenomenal. From paranormal to Sasquatch, UFOs and black helicopters buzzing around, it's absolutely everywhere for this lady and her family. Jeanette, welcome back. Thank you, Scott. Um, to pick up on, on what I was just saying, and then we left the kitchen, and we decided we'd watch TV after dinner, and we sat on the couch, and the smell, okay, now the smell wasn't all over. It, it was fixed, and it went to that window that faced our backs, and it was there, and I checked on it, and it stayed. I went to bed at 10.30 at night, and the smell was just still there. The other incident, another incident that happened on September 2nd, 2012, okay, um, we went about 150 miles away to the next town and met a friend of mine there, and he said that he was in the field with his son, and he recorded an exceptionally long Bigfoot call. Now, this was the person I talked about earlier. And um, so on the way back, and, you know, I heard it, and then on the way back, um, we were driving, and and this road we were on was over seven miles long. And my husband looks up, and he goes, well, what the hell is that? And I look, and I go, God, I don't know. Pull over. And then, you know, the whole truck lunges over, and we're sliding in the gravel and everything. It was that abrupt to stop. And then so we kicked open the doors, and I grabbed my camera and, and everything, and I'm out there. And, okay, I take the shot, and there's this swath, and come to find out it's a swath of insects over seven miles long, if you can imagine that, and it was dusk. So 
insects are supposed to be landed by then, and and insects detect heat sources. And, and to them, a heat source would be a food source, which would be a blood source. So anyway, they're all they're all flying, and I'm taking this photograph, and in my first shot, by this swarm, way down at the end, it seemed like next to the trail of them was a single light. I take a second shot. Now there are three lights, and they're all stationary by uh, the stream of, of insects. So I turn around, and I said, there's something there, and I don't know what it is, but I'm going to photograph it. So, you know, uh, my husband still has issues with this gift. He accepts it, but, you know, it's, it's really a hard pill for him to swallow. So anyway, I take this, this picture, and I don't see anything in the picture, and I don't see anything with my own eyes. So I get home on the computer, and I develop it, and come to find out, there's a beam coming from the sky hitting the forest floor, and there are orbs traveling in it. And I had the photograph analyzed, of course, naturally, they're trying to debunk everything, you know, like, I think it's Chinese lanterns, you know, kind of a thing. So anyway, they do it, but they, they have, there were too many things that they couldn't account for that it really couldn't be. It couldn't be an airplane. It couldn't be any of these things. And um, if you recall, the story that Linda Moulton-Howe recounted was that there was a beam coming down from the sky, and at the bottom of that beam was a Bigfoot. Well, this, this beam with these orbs traveling in it was taken in the very same area that earlier that morning, around before 1 o'clock in the morning, that Bigfoot call was recorded. Um, I have uh, another one, too, like um, on 12-12-15, when I was writing my book, it was, it was 11.35 at night. And the window across from me where I was typing, directly across from me on my left side, I hear this knocking on the window. It was an even pressure and evenly spaced. Knock, knock, knock. I'm thinking, oh, my God, it's starting again. Let's just ignore this, and let's just keep doing what I'm doing. I'm not going to go up to the door. I'm not going to turn on the lights. I'm not going to get my investigative tools. I'm just going to sit here and be quietly and just hope it goes away. Okay? So anyway, the next night, it's 11.35. I'm typing, knock, knock, knock. Well, it's starting to get to me now, you know, but, you know, I, I don't want to wake my husband up, and I don't want to go out in the arms of that by myself, okay? So I continue what I'm doing. And then a couple nights later, I'm in the bedroom, and the bedroom is separated by the living room by this wall. I'm in a rocking chair, and I'm reading, and he's out here watching TV. There's that very same window again. Knock, knock. All of a sudden we hear this, God, bang! It's 
sound like dozens of bowling balls being dropped on the living room floor. He is flabbergasted. He doesn't move. I, I listen for him. He's sitting here, and he's sitting here, and he's sitting here. doesn't dare get up and move. So finally he does. He gets up, walks around the, in the bedroom, and he said, did you hear that? I go, how could I not? And so it was, it was a living room floor that shook like that. So anyway, so I said, that does it. I'm getting my stuff. I'm going outside. And he goes, no, 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 no. You're not going out without cover. So he gets his weapon. We go out there together, and man, he's, he is looking on every rock and every leaf all the way around me. He's covering me quite well. So I'm out there, and my instrumentation isn't picking up anything. So I just take my camera, and I start taking pictures of where I think this thing is. And I'm walking around, and then, and then um, for a moment I put down my camera, and I... Since my instrumentation wasn't picking up anything, I'm my own best instrument. So I went over and I was feeling around with my hands and I went to this area and I noticed that off of the walking path, it moved. And I, when I went out there, I described it on my hands how tall it was, how wide it was, where it was, and everything else. So, and then after I did that, then I grabbed my pitch, uh, camera and took a picture of the area. So anyway... Um, we come back in the house, and where I initially got the shot, where I initially heard the racket on the window, uh, this isn't one of my better pictures, but anyway, there were two fuzzy orbs. The bottom one, closest to where the knocking was, had a face in it. And um, I remember the nose was long and slender, the lips were thin, that's that's all I remember that. But the other shot where I felt the energy field, indeed, the two orbs moved to that area, and they were there. So um, whether this is a Bigfoot or not in its other state, I don't know. Um, I know that it was something. Um, I'm not quite sure what it was, but it was Bigfoot behaving. Um, in addition to the years before, with the exception of the past three years, in June, um, we've always had tree knocking um, here. But um, uh, the the other interesting thing is that um, um, I I went and uh, after after so much stuff has happened. Oh well, maybe I should back up too. Um, you were asking me about the property being haunted or whatever. Um, I got an ovula. And uh, actually, we were in Goldfield, and the Goldfield Hotel is supposed to be especially haunted. And uh, the lady, the caretaker of the place, her, her name is uh, Virginia Ridgeway. And um, she, she invited us in to, uh, do a, to actually do a ghost tour of that place. And she liked us and wouldn't let anybody else in. And she said the ghost there liked us, too. Anyway, there was a whole whole story to that, but that was my first exposure to using an ovulus, so I thought I'd get one. Anyway, I, I turned around and came here. I took it out of the box, and it was speaking nonsensically. And until finally it started to come around, and then um, it's, it's, I, I brought it over to the window, and it said pine. I guess it was looking at the pine trees. Then I brought it over to another window and showed it the crown, and it said dirt. 
And then I brought it to my bedroom closet, and it said closet dark. And then uh, my husband said, let me have that. So he pointed at me, and it said um, female French. So I said, okay, well, fine, we'll take this and we'll go outside. And so I had it on the question and answer mode. And it started to, I said, you know, say whatever you think is relevant. And so it started describing the ground we were walking on. It said it was rough and dirt and rocky and all this other kind of stuff. And, and now I've done this one particular thing several times, and so the information that they gave me was constant. And uh, so anyway, when I came over this other area, it keeps describing two graves. It also says, I'm surrounded by soldiers. Many of them are Indian soldiers, but I have apparently a lot of military around me. And um, that came out when I was in the Goldfield Hotel that I even had uh, military soldiers around me that liked me and were guarding me and taking care of me. That's what came out in their obvious. So anyway, um, but anyway, as we're going through the property, there's these two graves and it gives this man's name. So I happen to be discussing this story with a, a friend of mine who's in military intelligence. So anyway, he happens to know a bit of history in the area, and he said, my, my God, Jeanette, don't you know this guy? And I said, no, I don't. And he said, well, he was a pastor, and he was killed by the Indians. And in fact, this is what the Yavulus here was saying. The Indians were actually discussing killing this person. So I don't know if it happened here or not, but the Indians were here that killed him. Anyway, as I rounded the corner, there's this particular area on the property where it says burning ashes, silent. Okay? So every time we take the ovulus there, it says the same thing, and it literally shuts down. It will not speak. One of these evenings that I was here, I was called out of the house. I'm, I'm going to use the word calling when actually at the early hours in the morning, maybe it's 1 or 2 o'clock, there's a sensitivity that I have toward energy. So I don't think anything's out there, and it's just freezing cold. I'm barefooted, and it's, it's in the temperatures where it is freezing. So I go out there anyway in the dark, and I take a photograph. Well, in this, in this area, this burning area where it's ashes, I get a validated photograph. The picture was validated and analyzed of an actual interdimensional reptilian. I have that photograph on my website, okay? So it's authenticated, and uh, it's on the property. As far as the uh, another thing that happened on the property was that it was uh, one morning, it was kind of moist out, and I'm sitting at my desk looking out the front of the house, and and my husband Ron is behind me, and I'm looking out the window, and I'm like, what in the hell is that? He goes, what? And I go, look at those things coming out of the ground. What is that? And so he goes, I'm not going out. 
I mean, he just, there are some times where he won't go out with me, he dummies up. He actually crunches down and looks like an accordion in the couch. He's so tense, he will not move. So I said, that's it, I'm getting my shit and I'm going outside. So uh, all I grabbed with me, I just, I didn't have any shoes on, I just threw something on and grabbed a flannel shirt, uh, grabbed uh, my camera, and I think I had my ovulus with me, okay? So, no, not my, yeah, my ovulus. So anyway, I go out there, and I'm running, and what's coming out of the ground are, are, are white, misty-looking spirals. And they're as tall or taller than me. And they're at various spots, but only in one area. So I go running out there, and I'm standing next to them, watching them rise above me. And then I look off to my left. I had this, and this, there's a fence there where a property line is, but I look through that. It's a wire fence. And there's, there's oh, God, over, over 150 feet from me, there's some power lines. And I'm looking down there, and I'm thinking, you know, there's something there. I know there's something there. I feel there's something there. I don't see it. So I get my stuff. Well, I, I check the temperature of the ground, and, and what I had with me didn't indicate any temperature change with where those spirals were coming out of the ground. So I take off, and I start running towards the top of the hill. And I said, you know what? This is when I was learning, done me. I sh- you should take the shot when you have it. But anyway, so I get to the top, and I run around, and I'm thinking, I could get probably a shot of whatever this is. So anyway, it, um, a car starts coming up the back road. I figure, well, I'm screwed. So anyway, I turn around and come down. But anyway, as I do this, and I'm, I'm going back and forth, and then I see this thing, and I can't tell if it's above the ground or not because there's brush in front of it. But there's a rather, um, there's a bell-shaped object under the power lines, but it's a rather full bell. It's not one of those little thin ones. And it looked like, almost like it was chiseled, like it was made out of, I don't know if you've ever seen frozen milk, but it looked very much like that, and the uh, edges of it, were semi-opaque. I could kind of see a blurry background through it. And I saw it there, and then I then I turned my view, and then it, I couldn't see it anymore. And then I, I, um, I took a picture of the area, and uh, I took successive pictures, um, some of the same areas, but um, I was standing in a different position. And then when I was about ready, I felt something advancing toward me, and I had this incredible fear. But still, nonetheless, I just stood up to it no matter how I felt. And I could tell where it was going. And this thing that was to my left by a pine tree, I was really afraid of. And it, it felt huge to me, just huge, several feet tall and I thought it was about time to leave after I took a picture of that area and then I I went through the fence went over the wire 
and came and really made a large circle around this thing and came in the house. I put the pictures on the computer and what I saw, I literally physically shook for an hour after that because where I first saw this bell under the power lines, um, all of the branches on the trees were distorted. I mean, the, the needles on the trees were huge and long and twisting and the branches were spiraling and all of that. And then I, all of the pictures that I took in the, in the ground closer to me and the different positions, the same areas were distorted. Whatever it was in the ship was actually advancing toward me. And I could tell by the, the, the number of the picture and the distortion in each picture, and it even affected the color. And I got a picture of that by the pine tree, and this, the distortion was very tall up into the tree. It was just gigantic. I was frightful to even think about it. And um, so I brought my camera in, as usual, because I knew I knew it would be called on the match. Dad, it's your camera. No, it's not my camera. And um, so I had the professional look at it, and they were saying that the only thing that could do that to this camera was electromagnetic energy. Okay. So then, um, uh, what else happened? But anyway, this is this. Um, I was, and then, uh, and then uh, there were a couple nights where at 9:30 at night I would go out and look out the front yard because I just felt like something was out there. And, you know, my husband's always asking, what are you doing? I said, I don't know, something's out there. So anyway, I open up the front door and I look out there and there's this, there's this red light and it's just hanging in the sky. It's just the same place every night and it's just there. And I... I talked to uh, an orb expert, or one of the persons that was investigating one of my cases. And it was her opinion that um, the orange orbs and the and the red orbs are like it's like every color has a mission. And the orange orbs, it's it's their job to scout and do reconnaissance. So that was interesting that it was an orange orb the night that was here that we had the following. Bigfoot activity. And I read another report by another gentleman, and he was saying that um, it, it was his experience as well that these, um, these darker orbs, the orange and the red, they're the ones that do the abductions. And um, I, I, was out in the, I was out in the front yard one night and and um, this was kind of like in the beginning of all this, and my, my husband didn't believe all this stuff, so he just took his camera on himself, and he, he got a lot, a lot of orbs. And then what happened is that um, I was in the front yard, and I was doing high magic, and, and how I view it is that high magic is a shortcut. It's an accelerated form of prayer. So rather than stay, saying stand standard prayers for a year and a half, you can do high magic and take a shortcut and get it done quicker. 
So I was out there doing high magic, just a simple little thing. And I said, you know what? I said, I'm going to call orbs in, see if I can call orbs in, and why don't you take some pictures? So he thought that was a good idea. So anyway, I did. I was out there doing it, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds came in. And they came in, interestingly enough, from one location in the sky. And it's interesting that when I call in orbs, my friend uh, who's in, who was in the Secret Service, <laughs> he noticed this right away. He noticed that in the sky was a blue light. And all of the orbs seemed to come from this blue light. You, I really couldn't see it with my naked eye until I got it with my camera. I don't know if the IR picked it up. I would imagine it did. But... Um, this wasn't the only instance of that. And then uh, one of the orbs that came out, uh, like the investigator was looking at it, this one particular orb was green, and it was pretty close to the bottom, uh, the ground pretty close to my feet. And she said, you know, she said I may have dismissed that, but I'm not dismissing this because it looks like it has something hard in it, something white and hard inside this. So it looked like, really, it may have been something white and hard, but it was surrounded by a soft, greenish light. And so that's what she got. Now, I I try to bring in orbs other times. Sometimes we just catch them on their property, and they're just flying all over the place. But when I do, even if it's from different directions, there's that blue light that's out there, um, which is pretty interesting. So, um, Jeanette, I want to ask you a couple of questions here because we got a lot of information happening in regards to what you were saying. At any time, have you had any professional-type investigators come over to your property to research what is going on? Because for someone as amateur as you or I would be in this situation, trying to figure it out on our own would be very difficult. No, I, I haven't. Actually, I asked that one person that was a psychic because that's what he does. Um, <clears throat> his um, What happened to him was that he didn't believe in any of this, and he married a medium, and he thought it was all a bunch of malarkey and everything, and, and then his brother died. And then he asked a couple questions that nobody can answer but his brother, and he got back the answer, that, that, and he knew that his brother was with him. And since his brother died, he's able to see everything and find out everything, and he investigates homes and does all this kind of stuff. And he's the one that told me that rock was the one the Indians used to pray over because it was UFOs. Oh, God. I, remind me to tell you about the juniper trees. But anyway, um, and so um, he said that whenever he was out in the area, he would investigate it. Now, I don't know if I should say this on air or what, but... Uh, probably get kicked for it, but um, he he was working um, at the time out of Ground Zero Radio. Okay, so anyway, so then there was that. So he he never really did come down. But another thing, okay, another thing that happened. What all this has to do with these flying things that can't be identified, 
in my opinion, the brighter orbs are the ones that are recently fed. And I have discovered this as well as many, many other reports and many, many other people that these orbs are around excess energy. Um, they, they, um, they're around children, they're around mind caves in, they're around where people are dying, they're on the battlefields. I mean, let's leave dust and bugs aside, okay? There's a certain percentage of, of them that are genuine. They seem to be absorbing energy. William Reich said that he believed that we produce more energy than we could ever use. I beg to differ. I am wondering why. I mean, aside from tainted food and all this other malarkey that we're all going through right now, that apparently I, there are reports that we still live a lot longer. We still live two to three hundred years. Now that there may be an error somewhere in the records a little bit, uh, maybe they're a different way of measuring it. But nonetheless, we we live longer. I mean, did we live longer because? Not so many portholes were opened up. I mean, now that more portholes are opened up, maybe things are coming through and feeding off of us. Because many people report that these orbs are sucking up energy. Um, the ship underneath the power lines, I'm sure, was sucking up energy. I'm sure that there, I mean, there's some orbs brighter than others, and in my opinion, those are the ones that are more recently fed off of an energy source. Very likely us, given what they're around. Okay? Um, no, I, yeah, but nobody, I haven't been able, you know, actually to get, well, things are calmed down a, a little bit right now, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why I kind of want to get to the end, which I'm getting quite close to. But anyway, uh, we had, um, I came out here one day, and it, I think it was around November, and uh, my husband's in the bathroom washing up in the morning, and I'm looking out the bedroom window, and I'm screaming, and I said, get your stuff, the house is on fire, I think the house is on fire, he goes, what are you talking about, I go, God, look at all that white smoke in the backyard, my God, I think we got a problem, get your shoes on, so anyway, so we, so we, both of us run out the backyard, and we're going out there, and we're standing, um, Underneath one of the juniper trees, and that's, I think, I don't know exactly what it means, but I think um, that's more a pure tree in the Indian tradition. There's nothing negative about it. But anyway, I don't know if you have, know how tiny the little leaf and just one of those little things are on a, on a juniper tree are, but we're looking, we're standing underneath this one particular tree, and out of that tree comes this cloud, and it's above our heads. We can't reach up and touch it. It's that high up. But it's, it's close, but it's not high, you know, that high up. Anyway, the tree comes out, and I mean, this cloud comes out and starts moving more or less to the south. And this tree, I mean, the cloud is like 15 feet long by maybe 6 foot deep. And it starts moving very, very slowly out of the tip of the leaf of the juniper, south. And all of a sudden, it pulls a very slow U-turn, moves to the north, 
and it keeps traveling, traveling, and finally it breaks off, and it keeps very slowly moving to the north. Well, no sooner than it did that, another one comes out of the tree, and it does the very same thing. I don't know how many came out of that tree. I think more than three of them. And we're just watching. Both of us had up our heads up in the air just watching this whole thing go on above our heads. I wonder what the heck is that? So anyway, uh, we have a tiny, tiny little spit of a town, mostly inhabited by Native Americans. I go in there, and I'm, I'm getting my hair done. And a and lot, of, lot of Indian ladies in there, I'm telling you about this, and they look at me and they go, where have you been? What are you talking about? They go, we want to know where you've been this whole time. Jeanette, Jeanette, I'm going to get you to speak up a little bit, okay, because a lot of our audience is having troubles uh, hearing you. Okay. Anyway, so I go in to get my hair done in this town that's mostly inhabited by Native Americans. They are the Modoc tribe. And they ask me, where have you been? I go, what do you mean? And they go, where have you been this whole time? I said, I still don't know what you're talking about. And it was kind of like left at that. I said, you know, I just lived down there. And I told them about where I lived, and they just looked at me and just shook their heads like, you know, where have you been? Almost like I was expected. That's the feeling that I got. And I, I never understood what they meant. It's amazing how someone can say something and mean something, and, and the person listening can actually hear something else. But I don't know if this is what was going on or what. And I said, what are these things? And they said, oh, I've heard of those. It's, it, and, the, and the Indians, too, they've lost a lot of their stories, a lot of their legends. And they said, well, they're fish. And I go, what are you talking about, fish? They, they said they're spirits of the fifth dimension. And talking about the fifth dimension now, what happens... Uh, is that I went on a vacation. I went to go visit one of my friends in, in Arizona, and we went to go to Bisbee, Arizona, as a matter of fact. And apparently Bisbee is where we had our very first stock, stock exchange before it actually moved. And so they had the old boards up there, and they're covered and protected in some sort of a, with a plastic barrier, the original chalk markings that were on the board. It was then converted to a bar, and we walked in there, and it was pretty dark coming in from outside. And, but way at the back, I noticed all of these, these um, trays or display cases. And they were loaded with crystals. And there sitting amongst them was an Indian gentleman in a crisp white linen shirt. So I go over to him, and I really wanted to buy a particular kind of crystal. So anyway, he he and I were talking, and he, uh, I was relaying information to him, and he was to me, and he really was quite impressed with what I had to tell him. He didn't figure that I that I knew what I knew. So anyway, and then we start talking about crystals, and I asked him, I'd like to buy one, and he said none of them are for sale; they're priceless. I said, what are you here for? 
And he just smiled, and he didn't say anything. And then he presented me with a box, and he said, which one of these would you like? So that was big doings. None of them were sale. They were priceless, yet he gave me one. And he picked out the one, he picked out a couple of them, and I kept going back to one, and it happened to be the particular kind of crystal that I was looking for. But in the course of our conversation, what we're talking about, that has to do with fish, and the Indian saying that the fish were of the fifth dimension, he told me, he said, I'm really concerned. I go, you're concerned about what? He said, they're killing the fifth dimension. They're killing all of the spirit world. So, and he said, the microwaves, the frequency of the microwaves and everything that they're developing, the spirit, the spiritual world, the higher world is dying. And and I, I really find it important to relay that because many people now are saying that there's a war. There's a war in heaven. There's a war between good and evil. And the spirit world is dying because of the developments that were given to us. So you have to ask yourself, if we're giving being given technology by the ETs, we're being technology, we're being given technology that is killing the world of spirit. Is this part of the battle? I understand that, but I think for a lot of our audience right now, we're having troubles dissecting, and I'm reading the comments here, where this all comes into play between the the paranormal events that you experienced, which led to Sasquatch sightings, which led to all of a sudden seeing UFOs and orbs flying all around. Right. Well, here's the thing. Um, okay, now I was talking Indians. Like this is the final thing. So you've seen the you've heard about the the orbs being um, associated with Sasquatch activity. Um, whether it was the orange orbs or the white orbs, there's been a consistent um, uh, um, association between these things and Bigfoot activity. Also, the beam in the forest was taken when there was Bigfoot activity, okay? Um, there's this interdimensional thing going on between these two things that are in this area. Okay, so for the last thing, and I'm going to be talking about was, um, I think I think it's the last thing. Okay, I was talking to, I, I don't want to give too much away, but one of the uh, people of prominence and rank. This happened to be the last great-grandson of the last holy man that they had. He said that... Um, he saw, on a road close to me, he saw a silver ball that was about 10 feet wide hovering above the road. Then all of a sudden it just 
he had a witness to this, then all of a sudden it lifted off and he gave a direction, but it didn't go straight up. It went up at an angle. Now, this is in an area that's probably about maybe 10 miles away from an area where there has been heavy Bigfoot activity and UFO activity, okay? The same man was with one of his friends in the woods, and he said this was at night, and he saw a giant triangle miles wide. He knew it was a triangle because it blocked out the starlight in the shape of a triangle. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, he said, there's a war going on out there. He said, he said it exploded, and it exploded from the center outward. So the light from the explosion came from the middle of the craft and worked its way to the outside. Said it lit up the whole forest as if it was day. You could see rabbits running and so forth. Okay. And then he goes on and he says, um, Jeanette, he said, if, if you want to know why you're experiencing all this stuff, he said, you just live right in the middle of it. He said, those three buttes, the buttes kind of look like really giant mounds three buttes that are all lined up. He said, we did everything on those. And he said, you live in the heart of everything we did. It's interesting because I, uh, I kind of briefly read a show about uh, that Art Bell did. This is this gentleman talking. And he was saying that uh, near Mount Pleasant, uh, I mean, near Fort Pleasant, there's a place called Moundsville. And there are reported monsters there. I hate to use that word, but that's what they use. Okay? And Bigfoot's often reported as a monster. And the Moundsville has, has similar formations there. And they have formations in the shapes of snakes, but they're all mounds. And the Indians did their magical workings there, which they probably opened portholes to other dimensions. So I live in the middle of these mounds right here where they did all their stuff. In addition to which, he, he asked me several times. He asked me three times, and he was afraid. It's kind of weird because it's their folklore to see an Indian that's afraid, but he was. And when he asked me about the altar, he told me, first of all, that they did everything on these altars. I mean, they had birth, death, just everything was done with these altars. But he asked me about the altar. He said, was the altar highly polished? And I said, yes, it was. And he said, well, then it was one of theirs. He said, and you live on the most holy of places that we have. He asked me, if there were rocks under the altar. And I said, I wasn't sure. I saw some small rocks around it. And that particular point in time, he would rather have had me heard that there was just one big rock there rather than it sitting on top of others. He then asked me, the Bigfoot that you saw, was it on your property or off your property? 
and I said, well, it was, on, it was on the other side of my property line. I saw it for about 45 feet walking the side profile of it. He asked me that three times, and while he asked me that, he was shaking, okay? It was on, it was not on my property, and he wanted to make sure that it was not on my property. It may mean something if it's on your property to them. He didn't tell me that. But what he did tell me, another thing he told me, and this is, this is the clincher. This is like, if we're gonna, if we're gonna pursue this path, this is like, what I'm going to say for the evening, but anyway, um, uh, we had, okay, now in this house, um, we had crazy activity. We have an atomic clock, and I know when something's arrived because it takes a, a large electrical pulse uh, to uh, jump that electric, uh, to jump the atomic clock, and so it either, it either advances an hour or it goes back in time an hour. But when we have these crazy things happen, it jumps. The security lights are on timers, and they they go on for longer than they're supposed to. As a matter of fact, I can't even shut them off. And then my EM meter on my reader goes nuts. It goes into the red. And one night, I was chasing this thing around the house, inside the house, and I have a picture of this. I have an... I have an oil painting, does not have a glass on it, and the man that originally owned it threw it out in the trash. He threw his dinner on it and, and threw it out of the house, and I found it in the collectible store. It could be that he threw it out for this reason. When I took a picture and I was chasing this thing around the house, I finally thought it was by this picture. So I took a picture of that picture, and there was something coming out of it. And what is coming out of the picture, I mean, most people would expect a ghost. No. This thing doesn't even look human. It, it looks alien. It's not human. Okay? I took a picture of that. And then what the, what the Indian said was that, um, I, this, is, this is just unbelievable. It's just, oh, I can't believe it. Anyway. I, um, it was one of those nights where all hell was breaking loose in the house. The lighting was going berserk. Um, the clocks, the EM meter reading was going nuts. I, um, this is hard for me to say, but anyway, uh, I, um, the next one morning I got up and I had, um, I had really quite a large bruise on the inside of each one of my thighs. Big. I mean, big and ugly. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering, oh, my God, you know, I, I don't even want to think about this anymore. I just, I, I want it, I want it to end. And um, so anyway, um, I go outside and uh, I look around the house. And on the side of the house, I see two footprints. They're not Bigfoots, they're different. And they're nine and a half inches long and they're like seven or seven and a half inches apart and they're narrow. So my ovulus described the footprints to a, to a point and said that they were apart, that they were in dirt and they were on my property. 
And then it goes on to say about uh, apparently a dead ancestor that I have that somebody told me about. It goes on to describe him as being a mild felon. And then it and then it went on. Um, it went on to describe. Uh, it said to me. It said because I know I've levitated four times in my life. Um, one, I was in front of my grandmother's porch. I was quite little. My mother and my grandmother were talking, and my mother pointed to me, screaming, look at her, look at her. And by that time, I was about three feet off the ground, and I got scared, and I came crashing down. Well, um, what the ovulus said was that um, after I'd gotten these bruises and everything, it said, last levitation Jesus, okay? So the next morning... My husband wakes up. He's in the bathroom. He's screaming from the bathroom. My God, Jeanette. I go, what? And he says, I have the same bruises you do in the same place. So he had that, too. And um, what the Indians told me was that um, there's not just Bigfoot out here. And I never said this, you know, ever before, but... um, and they said, it's not just Bigfoot. There's a, another hairy hominid out there. And the thing is, is that he said they, they call them the little people. And I, I was thinking, how Irish-sounding is that? But there's another Indian, Indian name for them, and I know how names change over time. This name that they call them were the Anamiki. Now, that should raise some hairs on the back of your neck. These Anamiki are two and a half feet to four feet tall, as he described them, and they're hairy hominid. These Anamiki are associated with the thunder spirit. They're associated with the things in the sky that create lightning and thunder. Those things in the sky that create lightning and thunder are an omen of war. So, I mean, I've been, in a way, the way I speak, it's hard for me to draw things together, but you should, you should have things pretty well together by now. In addition to which, um, I want to I mention the, the uh, energy issue. Okay. Now, I was saying that the orbs, you know, take energy. It doesn't mean that they... My, my opinion about an orb is that it's an ideal form. It's kind of like the egg, structurally. I believe that sometimes when we astral travel, we take on the form of an orb. I mean, there's a, there was an incredible healing that happened in Canada regarding orbs. But then again, they're around all of these other atrocities, too, and they... They take energy. And it's interesting that the ship was underneath the high tension lines, probably taking energy. And we are very suspect that they come here and they mine minerals and they take and they take and they take. Okay? And um, I had an, a I had a picture that was that was given to me by a woman that was abducted by an alien. Okay. And, and she did a drawing, and the, um, God, this is 
sort of hard for me. Anyway, because I, I studied at the sacred mystery schools, I understand symbology. I know what the hell's going on. Okay. So what happens is there's one of the tools that we use in those schools. And it's a chalice. You know? And but the chalice, the chalice that we use is a lotus. And you'll see that in Egyptian art. And it has this lotus has eight petals on it. Okay. Again, you'd have to be a student and know symbology to know what everything means. But the chalice has a particular um, particular thing that it does, okay, and that it is supposed to draw within to itself spiritual energy. On that note, I'm going to get you to hold on, Jeanette. We are going to hop out for a break here at the top of the hour. Jeanette Latulipe is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Bigfoot, little people, cryptids, UFOs, orbs, and paranormal. It all ties in to an amazing story that Jeanette is sharing with us tonight from her home in Oregon. I'm enjoying it. I'm sure you are too. Let's continue it with hour number three coming up right after this on Spaced Out Radio. Make sure you tune in. During the break... Check out Patreon.com for as low as one buck a month. You can become a patron of Space Out Radio. We'll be back right after this on the Mighty SOR. The SOR Sightlines is a place for you to find answers to your experiences. Hi there, this is Mike Schmidt. If you have had an encounter with ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, ETs, or anything else that doesn't make sense, head to SpacedOutRadio.com and file a Sightlines report. All information you give is 100% confidential, and I will personally help you find the answers you need. SOR Sightlines. Your answers are a click away. Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com. Hi there. I'm Butch Witkowski, lead investigator with the Cop. On the final Monday of every month, you can listen to me and host Dave Scott on Spaced Out Radio's Strange Days. We're going to get to the heart of the matter when it comes to what's happening out there. People are seeing and experiencing things from ET contact to Bigfoot, and I want to hear about it. Your experiences are what we investigators need to help solve these unknown mysteries. So tune in at spacedoutradio.com to the final Monday of every month from Butch Wachowski's Strange Days. Visit purpleplates.com today. For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. With their money-back guarantee and the many benefits, how can you afford not to get one? Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit, and expect a miracle. 
This is your medium, Joanna, from Spaced Out Weekend, Two Mediums and a Large. I would love it if you would come and join us with host James Tyson every other Sunday on Spaced Out Weekend. Together, we will take your calls and your questions live. Our goal is to provide you with a positive outlook on deep questions that you may have. Questions regarding love, relationships, money, or whatever else is on your mind. Come and check us out at spacedoutradio.com. This is Eric Markham, news editor for Spaced Out Radio's The Encounter Online. We have put together a great team of writers and journalists from all over the world to bring you top-quality paranormal stories, from alien encounters to the latest conspiracies. You won't find any of that fake news here. True stories and top-notch reporting as we look to bring these experiences to the mainstream. The Encounter online, only at spacedoutradio.com. Patrolling the Pacific Northwest, we are always on the lookout for the strange and unassuming stories that real people are experiencing. Hi, I'm Vincent Zunza from Pacific North Weird. Me and Alexandra Sullivan have teamed to bring to you those odd stories that never seem to make it into the mainstream. Stories so weird that we'll leave you scratching your head wondering, is this real? It's as real as it gets with Pacific North Weird. You can watch our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com. Become more intimate and interactive with Spaced Out Radio. Join our Space Travelers Club with your new membership. For $5 a month, we'll provide you with special access to the website, monthly prize draws from books to psychic readings, along with monthly newsletter, private interviews, and more. Sign up today to be part of Spaced Out Radio's experience. Looking for a place to advertise at a very reasonable cost? Look no further than Spaced Out Radio. SpacedOutRadio.com has an advertising tab that you can click to check out our daily, weekly, and monthly packages to play on the radio or our website including social media. From commercial spots to banners, we have it all. Check out our competitive pricing today. Don't have time to listen to Spaced Out Radio Live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today. You hear footsteps in the empty room above you. A rocking chair begins rocking by itself. Don't be afraid of the things that go bump in the night. Reach for Spirit Story Box. The iPhone app the Huffington Post UK called the only ghost hunting app you will ever need. Spirit Story Box. The spirits are telling their stories. Are you listening? Strange creatures lurking in the night, the sounds of wood knocking in the forest, odd happenings right out of a fictional world. These are the reports I love. Hi there, this is author Ronald Murphy, and I would love it if you'd join me and Spaced Out Radio host Dave Scott the second Wednesday of every month on our journey into the unknown land of cryptozoology at spacedoutradio.com. From Mothman to Frogman and everything in between, hey, they don't call me the crypto guru for nothing. Did you know that Spaced Out Radio runs seven days a week? 
Hi, it's James Tyson from Spaced Out Weekend. Every Saturday and Sunday night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, you can join me and my guests for some great chatter about what's going on out in the universe or even in that dark part of the basement you really don't want to go back into. Well, let's find the answers to your experiences together. So come on up to Uncle Jimbo's cabin on the weekend. For more information, look us up at spacedoutradio.com. The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio, Spaced Out Weekend, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and hashtag Spaced Out Radio. And on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the final hour of Space Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Great to have you along for the ride tonight. Tomorrow, get your pen and paper ready. We have Bill Hauser back. Yes, I know a lot of you have been asking for Bill when he's coming back. Live Ghost Box Sessions tomorrow night on SpacedOutRadio.com. For three hours, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time, we're going to have some fun tomorrow night, as we always do when Bill comes along to give his live Ghost Box show. We want to welcome in the United Public Radio Network live on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Great to have you with us. We are also live on WQEE 99 Rock the Key down in Noonan, Georgia, the home of the walking dead. Love being your nighttime entertainment. Thank you for spending your nights with us. We're also live on Renegade Talk Radio in Las Vegas. And if you're listening in on Revolution Radio, remember the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Cardwell has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Bostrophodon. Bostrophodon is your password. Make sure you use it wisely if you're a space traveler, because that is your password for the night. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. Give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. You can tune us in on TuneIn, download this show and others on iTunes. We're also on RadioGuide.fm, TalkStream Live, and on Stitcher. And our website is spacedoutradio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including joining the SOR Space Travelers Club for 5 bucks a month. I encourage you to read the encounter online, as we are currently setting up a brand new news and entertainment paranormal-focused newswire. It's a great, great opportunity for you to catch up on some reading. And if you head on over to Patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, Patreon.com, for as low as one buck a month, you can become a patron of Spaced Out Radios. Tonight, for the final time, we introduce Jeanette Latulipe. She is an experiencer with all sorts of things happening on her property in Oregon, from Light orbs to UFOs, Sasquatch to little people, and everything paranormal and ghostly in between. Jeanette, welcome back. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to take out from this cup again. When I sure. when I charged it, according to ritual magic, I was using an angelic language. 
which is very powerful. And when I got done with it, I didn't think anything had happened. And I started putting all of my things away. I looked over on the cup, and I saw this blue light swirling around in it like water. So what that does, like I said, it draws spiritual energy into it. Well, this person that was abducted describes being taken up uh, from the bottom of the craft almost through a tube-like situation. Have you noticed that a lot of the women that go missing or people that are taken, they're a certain height. So if they're a certain height, they have to fit into a certain thing. So this, the person that was had this case would not tell me how tall this person was, probably because they knew that I would connect the dots. So when this person was taken up into this tube, something was put over them. This person described what was put over them as a lotus. Okay? When she came out of there, as far as I know, she said she was okay, that nothing happened to her. Well, actually, if we take and review everything I said and what had happened to this lady, what happened is that spiritual force is being extracted from her. Okay? There, there are ways to prove, and I have, have it written in my book, that this energy actually can be stored and redirected. Okay? When you have these orbs that come in, in these situations, they take energy. Bigfoot... Bigfoot is seen with UFOs. Um, it's been documented. I've, I've had many occurrences with this. And they're always together. They're working in tandem. Um, some of people have reported that uh, there are mining operations going on and, and Bigfoot is there to scare other people away. Um, some people actually say that uh, Bigfoot is there to protect. Um, then again... If that does throw confusion into it, so that's enough to make anyone back down. You don't know yay or nay. So that's perfect. It's a perfect cover to have confusion. But uh, uh, the energy, nonetheless, is being taken out of people and as well as our minerals out of this planet. And uh, there's folklore in Ireland. I thought, I thought it was pretty interesting. But anyway, a, a gentleman was discussing it. He, he'd written a book on it as well. And to, to summarize, he was saying that the fairies, they come around, and the fairies are these little white balls of light. And they, they fly around, and people think they're cute, and they're, they're whimsical. And, um, but he had a lot of documentation that the fairies out of people subtract pure essence. None of the other stuff, pure essence. And that is very much what this lotus or this apparatus did to this lady that was taken in this craft. Very interesting indeed. Very interesting. And, um, yeah, it, it's very interesting. And um, I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to, to read some of this stuff, but... Um, that I had written for my notes for this evening, but, um, oh, there was another thing, too. Um, I mean, I'm doing all this, this far-out stuff tonight instead of the, uh, so much of the sensible uh, documentation that's behind it all. I'm, I'm just giving you really the, the highlights. But, do, you, um, do you feel, Jeanette, 
that mm. you, you were chosen for this path, or do you think that it's just the property that you were on that has something special to it? I had friends, and let me explain for a second. I had friends of mine who had a similar type property where they had everything from fairies to spirits to Sasquatch to UFOs and alien activity, and their activity has slowed right down since they moved from that property. So do you believe then, do you believe then that it's the property or you? I, I believe that they're, because I can tell by being around certain people like, I made this poor woman paranoid. I was working in this place, and I was working, and she would walk by me, and I told her, I said, I know what you're thinking about. And she looked at me like, okay, like, you're so smart. You tell me. So I started saying, I said, you're thinking about your house. It was around Christmas time. I described your Christmas tree to a T. I described all the knickknacks in her house where they were. I described her furniture, her glass door, carpeting, everything. And she started screaming, and she said, you've been in my house, you know, and she always walked a wide circle around me after that. So what I'm going to say about that is that I can pick up certain people better than others. I would say if, if I could only explain to you if, you, if you researched or went on YouTube or something and got the video of the Montuk experiment, it would explain perfectly what I'm trying to convey here. Some people are simply antennas for the information out there. Okay, I have picked up stuff throughout my whole life. I, I knew where my parents put their money in their house. I knew when my dad's car was going to get stolen, and I told them the day before. I just know stuff. And so I just pick, pick up things. For some people I can't. Like a friend of mine, I knew the night and the time, and I told him, you gave your wife a pink rose, and he did. I can see him doing that, the miles that we live apart. I could see when my sister was, when she lived in Seattle, I could see her planting tulips in her yard, and I told her that. But some people are just antennas, and they amplify. So when you're around them, you pick that up. So what I think is, I'm saying true, I think some areas have more energy stored in them than others. And in my book, I go on to describe this now as to the reason why. Okay, it goes on to explain volcanic activity. And we do have a lot of ley lines here, and I'm not saying I don't know if there are dragon lines here. There probably are. But it goes on to explain what happens in volcanic activity and where there are fractures in the, in the earth. And, and once you understand that some people are magnets, and then, see, if, if I'm a magnet to pick up information, there are probably other things around me that are probably playing off that. They're probably using me as their antenna to get more information. And um, and uh, in addition to which, the land and the energy stored in the land, as I described, amplify that even further. So it could be that they're having a good old time learning all kinds of stuff. And I'm just 
right in the middle of it just because of my very nature. That make sense? It absolutely makes sense because, I mean, in the end, I think it's the energy that you are putting forward in trying to figure out what is going on with you that is also keeping the story from continuing or continuing the story, if if you know what I'm saying. Well, I, I think, <clears throat> I know, I'm trying to say something other than that because I think that's, um, I've heard that a lot. I've heard that a lot. But, um, God, it's hard to explain. I'm not to experiment. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to explain that, okay? This is, um, we live in a parasitic world, and we think we're at the top of the food chain or not, okay? We're, we're food as well. That's why we don't live as long, okay? We're being exploited. Um, the Mod Took experiment, basically, I'll try and summarize this for you, was that, Okay, naturally, government gets in there, and then they have contractors and so forth and so on. And it started out with a psychic. And um, unfortunately, a lot of these people, they're, they're children, and basically their parents surrender them to the government for their um, experiments. It's ugly, but it happens. So this happened to this one person, and... Uh, what I mean, he had natural ability, but the government came in and they trained him to to kind of skew him in the direction that they wanted him to go, and so he was fully trained. And so he was essentially doing meditation and visualization. He has his own names for it, but that's what I'm calling it. And you highly visualize one thing. You visualize one thing so that you can see it so it's almost real. Like if you're visualizing a mouse holding it in your hand, I mean, you could see every detail of that mouse. So, okay. So then um, let's say that, let's say that I'm the person visualizing things. I have that gift, Okay. And so what happens is that they built this apparatus, and this was off of the Philadelphia experiment. They started developing the Montauk uh, experiment as a takeoff on the Philadelphia experiment and trying to correct all of the errors they made in that heinous, heinous event. So the, uh, what happens is they built actually an amplifier to human thought. And they amplify the psychic's thoughts. And so once amplified, and he, he was very adept at visualization, they amplified his thoughts so much that they actually created his thoughts. So they made some really horrible things. Um things that nightmares are made out of. And one of these things he dredged up from his subconscious they actually had to kill. One of the things was a beer can actually had beer in it that was drinkable. 
That's how powerful it is when you have a person with a gift that actually could be a positive thing. And once technology gets a hold of it and man's ego turns it into something ugly. Okay, so then they did this. So they're creating things from thought. It's an, thought isn't just an abstract or it's an actual release of energy. And when you know how to use that energy, or don't in their case, you can make something horrible. And so this is actually validated as something that really happened. They had to shut down the whole thing and destroy everything because they realized that they were playing God. And literally at this particular point in time, they also realized that they could create God or destroy God. I mean, there's so many things that are going on right now with the human mind that can alter your entire world. You'd probably stick your fingers down your throat. But anyway, um, that's, that's what they did. So, you know, I'm not saying that portholes don't exist. I'm not saying bad things or good things can't can't go in between worlds, but what I want to add to that at this time is, is that these things, like you could see, like I saw a photograph, don't know how legitimate that is, but I'm just using it as an example, that when it showed that dragon flying in the sky or somebody saw something odd like the ram squatch or the, uh, the uh, pterodactyl flying in the sky, Given their capability, I'm wondering if they aren't creating as many fires and as much confusion as they can because they have the technology to take us off the track for doing what we actually should be doing, which is developing our higher selves and have a, taking us away from a peaceful life. They're destroying the fifth dimension. These things are absorbing our spiritual energy and our very essence. And um, the Sasquatch is actually, I want to I say something about the Sasquatch uh, at this bridge time. The Sasquatch, okay, you may know, is half human. But now it's getting to the point where the population is so, is growing that actually, once you take the genes now, you really can't separate them and say, okay, what's well, so much this and so much that, because it's almost a species unto itself now. So the analysis is a little too difficult. But at one time, it was, it was half human, okay? In addition, um, I believe on the mother's side, it was, it was African, okay? And also, too, with the language, its language is, uh, has clicking in it. Uh, so there is actually an African clicking language. The, uh, there was a researcher that uh, made a cast of some of the scribblings in the, um, in the dirt that it was reported that a Sasquatch made. So he, uh, he made a plaster cast of them. There were four of them. And he sent them in to be analyzed 
I wish I could dig up these names. I just can't flip through all these pages, so you'll have to bear with me. Anyway, he sent them in a certain place and um, to have them analyzed. And so when they came back and they were analyzed, they were kind of, uh, they were an Iberic language. So they were close to out of Africa. And it was a language that is related to Basque, okay? And I always wondered where the Basque people came from. And so um, it, it's kind of in the Arabic area. And the Basque, uh, if you if you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but the Basque were originally thought of as um, as the ancient astronauts. And they wondered what the Bigfoot was on the fraternal side, you know. And uh, the thing is, is if it's half human and it's part Basque, which is thought of to be the ancient astronauts, um, and you see them with UFOs, that's something else to consider. As someone who has had an encounter with a couple of Sasquatch, and then shortly after that, seeing a mm -hmm. pixelation, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if we're actually dealing with a creature from here or we're dealing with a creature that has some sort of supernatural ability. A lot of First Nations people believe that it does have supernatural ability one way or another, and maybe that's the reason why we see a lot of blurry photos, we see a lot of blurry videos. A lot of people also believe that you don't find Sasquatch, Sasquatch finds you, which would take any human element out of it. What is your opinion of that? I, I, I really, okay. Okay, blurry photos. Um, okay. We did, when, uh, when I was with that group of people in the secret schools, um, I, I think you need to know that most of those mystery schools are flooded with military. Okay. The information I, w I was going to, we, we ran, really have run out of time, but um, the, the information, okay, they're loaded with military of all ranks, um, most well-educated, and we did an experiment. And uh, this experiment was invisibility. And I have done this on my own, okay? And so we did this experiment, and after we did this experiment, you could not see the person. This was not hypnosis. This was something the person did and created a change in themselves. And once they did what they had to do and created that change in themselves, no one could see them. All right? I know this was really, really tough to swallow. And I remember... That one time, before I was even with these schools, I was, I, I don't know, like, I, I, I don't even understand myself and a psychic. If, if a, I had a psychic read me and they said, we don't know what she is. We don't know she's a really good medium, a psychic, but she is the whole nine yards. Okay? So that's all I can say about myself. But anyway, the, uh, when I was a young, young person, I think I was like 17 years old, I was on a date with my boyfriend. I was arguing with him. And so I stayed in the car. 
and I, I was dressed and my, I was in a drill team, and I was all dressed in sequence. So you know how that carries light. So anyway, I was in the back seat, and my boyfriend went to get the cop, and he went over to come see me to get me out of the car. My boyfriend could see me plainly, but the officer could not. He was shining a flashlight on me. I was watching all of my sequence light up, but he could not see me. Okay. So what I want to tell you right now is that, um, okay, I'm not saying other things aren't true, but I, I want to bring this point out because everything makes the whole. So the brain is electromagnetic. Okay. So the change we created in ourselves apparently was an electromagnetic frequency, I'm guessing. Okay, that was projected out. That frequency influenced the minds of the people around us. They couldn't see us. That's all I have to say about that. Do you find then that Bigfoot has that same ability? Because, I mean, let's face it, he, he is the reigning hide-and-seek champion out there. Right. He's, he's well, he, the Bigfoot, you know, is, is really half-human. And, and the, the deal is, is that um, it's really, really believed that, okay, I wanted to get into the DNA thing. The DNA, okay, I was, when I was writing my book and I was, I was, pulling all of this information and everything, I ran a, re a cross-report, I believe it was, by a major, okay? And in all of his experience, um, he has come to the assumption, and he's quite concerned, that our ancient ancestry DNA is being not only culled, but taken out of future generations. Okay, now the the um, the skulls on on some of the Egyptian leadership and the Caracas people were elongated, and the Neanderthal, which I'm part Neanderthal, I've had my DNA done, and I'm heavily Neanderthal. Okay, is their skulls were elongated, but they weren't more upright, they were more out toward the back. And my belief at this particular point in time was, okay, let's say the Neanderthals believe that the Neanderthal anyway were highly intelligent, okay? They, and they had to survive every, every horrible thing that there was. But the thing is, is that, okay, and and... And these things that are happening to people have Neanderthal ancestry. I have Neanderthal and Basque ancestry, okay, the ancient astronaut. So that might shed some light on things. But anyway, the, um, the, the skulls, what I'm, I'm going to uh, say is, that, okay, so the person probably didn't do calculus or any higher math functions. Let's say it wasn't that sort of intelligence in their skull. But rather, let's say the intelligence they had was a survival intelligence. Let's say that intelligence was a psychic intelligence. You're out there hunting. 
You need to know what's around the corner. You need to know how big your adversary is. You need to know what weaponry your adversary has because you need to survive. Winter's coming. You've lost a few people to that. Now you need to know where you can seek shelter. Where is water? Where is that water? So I'm saying that their skulls had an intelligence in it, but it was a sensory intelligence. Okay? My friend, that person I was telling you about, you know, training seals and all that, he's very right brain, and he, I wanted to go hunt Bigfoot with him, and he, he didn't believe that I could do what I could do. So he took me out of the woods and he tested me. He brought me to the woods where I'd never been before. And he had a specific thing that he wanted me to find. And I said, well, I can't find it. You have to get me within 20 more feet of it. So I moved around and I did my thing. And I said, okay, let's get in the cars. Let's go. It's over here. It's over there. It's over here. It's over there. So we got in the vehicles and we took off. And I found it. Okay. Like I said, I'm part Neanderthal and I'm part Basque, okay, and some other stuff. But anyway, we found it. So what I'm saying is that the DNA that's being taken, okay, this, this DNA, the psychic stuff, goes back to ancient times. It is everything that you need as a human being to survive, to survive anything, okay? And this is why they had a larger head, because it had that survival intelligence in it. These genes that are being taken, what I'm saying is the things that Bigfoot can do, and you've heard some of the weird spacey things that I can do, okay? This is what's being taken, okay? Bigfoot, what you're saying, what Bigfoot can do is an example of our ancient ancestry. These Bigfoot, in my opinion, are, if a new catch us tomorrow or whatever, they're the things that we're going to find as we progress through the years. I say, who are these people? God, they were so big and they were so hefty. They must have been stupid. Look at their cranium. They're the seeds. They're the pods that our ancestry has been put into so that when the shit hits the fan, they're going to all of a sudden, the people that have escaped in the space and the secret fleets and all that stuff, the corporations, they're going to put the genes back in them that we have now and they're going to develop humanity, and that's why you're going to see the massive jumps in humanity, just like you've seen now. You're going to see that Bigfoot is our pod, and he's going to turn into modern man, and then we're going to look back, and we're going to look at all these bones, and we're going to like, what the hell? And they're half human, and they have all of the talents our ancestors had. And right now, something's very, something very interesting is going on with the human skeleton. It is um, 
actually the human skeleton's kind of pukey right now, and, and it was even worse. But it's reverting. It's reverting to primitive man. It's getting stronger, healthier, thicker. I mean, the vertebrae on the neck are completely changing. The location is completely changing. The organs in the body are changing, all in such a way to render the human body to have more protection and armor. And if things were getting better, wouldn't they kind of stay the same? What is that telling us? What are they anticipating? What is going to survive? What may happen? I understand that, and I think a lot of people on this program or who listen to it are very open people and understand exactly with where you are going with your thought process. How were you able to tie in any sort of connection between the Sasquatch visitation and the UFOs that seem to be popping around? A lot of people have had both of those experiences happen quite close together. Did you notice that as well for yourself? Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if they're dropping them off because, uh, uh, well, different people say different things. They could be dropping them off to get them familiar with their environment, their new environment. Um, they're, I believe that they're coming from the UFOs. They have the talents to make them appear inter, interdimensional or invisible because that's, that's part of our ancient ancestry. That's part of the electromagnetic part of the brain. Um, we have that, some people more than others. It's just that if you can't do that, you, you haven't been trained uh, to do it. But um, they are seen together. They're seen mining, um, uh, whether, they're, whether they're checking out an area, whether they're checking out a person, whether they're cooperating in abductions for gene collection. Um, they could be doing a number of things with them. Um, you know, it's, it, I know a lot of people want uh, to kill um, the Bigfoot, but the thing is, if, if there are legacy that are going to help us survive the planet, then uh, maybe that's not such a good thing to do. But it could be that the UFOs, too, um, and we don't know. We don't know what's in there. Uh, we don't know... Um, there are humans in there or if they're humans that have genetically altered themselves to withstand the rigors of space, which is why they look so weird in, in the pictures that I've seen, or weird to me anyway. But um, they, they could be working with them to collect the genes from the right people because um, we are being, a lot of us are being abducted. Does that make sense to you? How many times have you been abducted? I I don't know, but I really don't know. Um, one time, God, uh, well, two times really. Um, anyway, um, just just recently, I mean, um, I I uh, I was having this dream, and I don't know if you know what screen memory is, but I was having this dream that um, I was on a. Um, I, I was taken, I was I was put on a table, I was examined. All I remember the guy saying was, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, we have to hurry up. 
And so I was slapped into this uniform, and it was pretty much like everybody else's, but um, but one of the colors on it was different. And um, I had an insignia, I had a logo about where I would have a left pocket. I remember some sort of a bed in there. I remember exactly what it looked like. I remember seeing people in these beds, and they were lit up from within, and it, one was vacant closest to me, and I thought maybe they wanted me to get in there. We communicated by telepathy. Um, I remember this one man, they were having problems with the ship, and he put his forehead about six inches from mine, and I could hear his thoughts, but they weren't very, um, they weren't very, uh, they didn't, they didn't say much. They, they were very brusque, very to the point, um, hardly without description. Um, some people came in and asked my name, another group of people, and they asked me like three different times, like, you know, that's pretty weird, that's really different. But anyway, I remember being put someplace. I had a certain mission to perform. I didn't perform it because I didn't have enough information, so I didn't think it was fair for me to do it. So anyway, uh, I came back, and I was in bed, and I got up the next morning. I thought, you know, that, that's just too weird. And, but yet it seemed really real to me. So um, um, I, just, I just read an article about uh, fluorescent markings being put on people that were abducted. And the marking wasn't on top of the skin, rather it was subdermal. So it was something that couldn't be washed off, that had a wear off. So I thought, wow, I just got a black light. You know, I mean, that was such a weird dream. I think I'll go check this out. So I got my black light, went to the bathroom, shut out the lights, called my husband in. I had fluorescent markings, and I couldn't wash them off. I ran down the length of my nose, and you could see where a tube had run into my right nostril. Now I have I have really bad allergies, and I didn't. And, and usually they're on the right side of my nose, and I had no allergies for three days after that. Um, there was there was another instance too where um, the thing is 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 that I didn't know. When I um, when I joined this this secret mystery school, I didn't know. Um, but this one was an e- email uh, was a mail course by mail. So anyway, I was getting their correspondence. I was reading it, and then they were initiating you along the way. And uh, I didn't know it, but uh, um, God. Anyway, I was doing I was doing some magic, and winds came through the house and. I was, it was just a whole procedure. But anyway, as it turned out, all of this stuff happened, and, and I heard all this noise in the house when I was doing one of these magical operations, and I had the flame on the candle shoot out about a foot, and it pointed like a compass needle at me, and wherever I moved in the room, it would follow me. And my nightgown just pressed against my body when this wind came through the house, and it just flapped against the couch, and it outlined my form. I had a crystal on the on the table, and it glowed bright red. And I heard this noise, and I didn't know what that was. And it was over in the corner of the living room, and it sounded like I had a big beehive on my head the closer I got to it. So this organization never told you what the heck happened, and they um, they just merely said if you passed or not. And all I could get out of them when I asked them what that noise was, and they they told me it was the sound of the universe. Well, a lot of people will tell you that UFOs hum. So 
Anyway, as the story progressed, a lot of other things happened in the house and horrifying, scary uh, things. My children were screaming, and they saw doorways opened up, and and what, like if you were to point your finger from the left at the bottom of the floor over to your right made a rectangular doorway. These, these would light up in the house, especially in the children's room, and this one was bright green. And my oldest daughter said uh, she saw a woman come come out of the doorway, and she had long brown hair and a blue dress. And they would see these beings go in and out of these doorways all the time. Well, as, and there was simply a wage uh, a war being waged in the uh, in that apartment. So uh, what happened? Um, Anyway, I found out that only later in life that when you go through these initiations, that the initiations in many of these connect you to a current. And the best I can describe a current is that when I was thinking of my sister doing something, she was actually doing that, okay, like planting the tulips. That's a, that would be a current. It's a connection. So, so when they initiate you, they give you connection that you're not aware of. They, you're connected to a reptilian current. So I think everyone knows what the reptilians are. They're, they're an alien. So you're, you're connected to this current, and now your thought process kind of travels along that way. So I don't know if this enhances what I see and I perceive, you know, I, I'm, I'm really not sure about that. But at, anyway, as all of this progressed, okay, I, I'm laying on the bed and I, I'm having this dream about this, this giant spider. And the spider bites my left hand and that's palm, my left hand is palm up, it's over the side of the bed. So anyway, I get up and I turn it and look at my hand, and I have a pool of blood in it. And there's no scratches, and there's no bites, there's no blood anyplace else in the house. And while I'm going through all this, I levitate off the bed. I'm swatting and hitting my husband, trying to get him up. And then finally, I crash down in the bed. There was another instance here in this house where I go to bed, and then I'm, I'm stiff as a board, let's say, but from my left side down, all the way from my shoulder down to my ankle, without any flex in my body whatsoever, I rock to my right. I mean, who can do that? I mean, either your butt hangs down or something when you roll over in bed, but no, this was like a board. I roll over to my right, roll over to my left, back and forth, back and forth, faster, 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 faster. And I start to lift as I do it. So the blankets are holding me down. And, and your partner, generally when something goes on with one partner, the other partner enters a, an altered mental state. And they don't get up. I don't care what happens. They don't get up. So anyway, and I'm looking ahead of me, and I see what looks like Okay, we have that dresser six feet in front of the uh, the footboard of the bed, but the dresser looks as almost like it's finger paints, like somebody takes their fingers and they go through it, and it's smeary and it's a circle. Everything else is fine. 
the roof, the size of the room, the doorway, him as I'm turning my head. Everything's fine, but what's in front of me? And this thing is swirling around, and I'm lifting and rocking. And so I grab the sheets, and I'm hanging on for dear life and hoping I'm going to stabilize myself, and I stop. And I do. It hurt my hands, but I stopped. So I, um, and the swirling stopped, but it stayed stationary. It stayed there. So I lift out the blankets, and I get out of bed, and I just ease by this thing and barely get out the door. And I go in the kitchen, and I pour myself a glass of orange juice, and I ask myself, what the hell happened there? So anyway, uh, and then I turn around, and I, uh, I um, after I think about it, I come back, and there's a small wall, uh, probably maybe about a seven-foot wall that creates a small hallway. To the left is my bedroom door, and to the right is just that wall, and in front of me is a cuckoo clock. So I walk up to that wall, and at that particular time, I feel something on my left shoulder, and it's and it's pushing me down to the ground, and I'm grabbing onto this wall, and I'm pushing with my legs, and I'm holding on with my arms, trying to keep myself upright. So I think to myself, and it's like it's trying to get me to kneel. And I said to him, I said to whatever, I said, look, you bastard, I'm not kneeling for you or anybody else. And I'm hanging on the wall fighting for everything I get, and then finally it stops. And I'm able to stand, and I walk into the bedroom, and the whole thing is gone. So all I have, and a screen memory, what a screen memory is, is something's happened to you, and what they do is they replace the memory of what actually happened with something more in your world, something that's more pleasant to you. So... Well, you have people that maybe abduct them. They said, oh, they're just lovely creatures. They're just so wonderful. And, you know, we just had a good time up there. And it's probably a screen memory because they don't remember what happened to them. I mean, I've come back, and, and another incident was that I had a funny feeling that something was going to happen, so I, in the mail I already sent for a magnetic bracelet because I was, I was reading about that. In, just in case, you know, you got implanted or something. So anyway, I got this magnetic bracelet. But I got it the day after this event happened. You know, it almost came just in time. So I get up in the morning, and between my thumb and my pointer finger on my left hand, I have a raised, perfect triangular burn. And that, uh, the burn... Um, and then, I, and then, then, like I said, the next day I got the bracelet and I put it on and my hand throbbed in that area for three days. And then, so, like, the following night, I go to take a bath and everything's fine. I go sleep with my bracelet and my bracelet's gone. So if I got anything, it traveled. But, um, so, if, if all those things happen, I wake up with blood and burns and fluorescent markings and all that other kind of stuff, and bruises and and all that other stuff, I probably was given a screen memory. So I can't actually report what actually happened. 
But, um, oh, oh, God, i got to tell you a story, story too. Um, I think it's well, please, life, please I do. Okay, but anyway, this, um, this happened on October 21st, uh, 2014. Anyway, I, I, don't know, I don't know what time it was in the morning. I don't have my, like, little diary in front of me, but um, it probably was around 2-ish in the morning or something. Another one of those really, um, it's crazy up here because it can be really hot in the summer, but at night it gets, oftentimes the temperatures go to freezing. So I just called out, I'm barefooted, and I just get this urge like something's outside, something's outside. So I go, I open up the front door, and I don't see anything, but, you know, that doesn't mean anything. So I have my camera with me, and I feel the direction that it's in. Because I'm a psychic photographer too, so anyway, um, I take a picture where I think it is, and I look at my camera on the window, and I said, "Oh, it looks black to me." So I said, "I'm not going to mess with it. I just, you know, wait till tomorrow morning or whenever I get to it." So then I I drop the mid tones in the picture, and I'm looking at this, and what do I see? I see in the picture a naked female, and she has got her head turned. She's looking over her right shoulder at me, and and she has on a head covering. Here she is naked, and she has on a head covering, and she's really ugly, in my opinion. She has a large eye. She has a bent, crooked nose. And above her lips, that part of flesh that's between your nose and your lip, and and that little bit of flesh that's almost between, you know, right under your bottom lip and your chin, that area of her face is really thick. And pardon me if I, I pronounce this wrong, but she looked exactly like, and I, because I brought up a picture of this thing, I have a picture in my my manual of an archeloid, okay? And the story goes that the Ebens engineered these gray archeloids, and they're created by a rapid cloning process. Two or more of these were presented to the U.S. government for examination, observation, and study. Um, Both were said to have landed at Holloman Air Force Base. New Mexico on April 25th, 1964. So I have this picture of this this nude woman. And and that morning when I got up, I get out of bed up. I'm thinking I, I have like like almost a full sleeve on my nightgown, not quite. And my arms hurt. I'm thinking, what the heck happened here? So I, I start to get dressed, and and from about three inches below my elbow to the middle knuckle of my hands on both arms, they were bright pink. When I took her photo, I was burned. So I, it was just on the tops of my arms where I got this radiation-like burn. They didn't blister. They were very bright pink for a very long time. 
We only have about three and a half minutes left with you, and it's been a show that has absolutely flown on by, as I told you it would when we first started this. Your stories are absolutely amazing. How many photographs do you have of your experiences, and where can people find them? Well, I don't I don't have that one. The pixels were, were pretty poor, and there's some of the other pixels. Not all of them I posted on my Facebook I mean, on my on my site, um, like I said, not all my not all my pictures are there. I even took a picture of a UFO that actually was reported on the news on, off the coast of Oregon by a lighthouse, and I shared that with Richard Dolan because he had the same shaped craft as I did, as I photographed. But um, anyway, there on um, what you would do is you would go to JLC. And it's Artscapes, A-R-T-S-C-A-P-E-S, dot, imagekind, I-M-A-G-E-K-I-N-D, dot com, backslash, store, backslash. And that the J-L-C-A are all caps. So jlcartscapes.imagekind.com backslash store backslash. And there, the pictures that I posted, not all of them, are in the Are We Alone gallery. And I get a big yellow orb. I went to a ghost town in Bodie, California, and and I felt a lot of anger on the porch. And uh, I felt almost like I was being pushed off the porch of one of these old buildings. And I was kind of mad because I felt a lot of anger on that porch. And I walked around it, and I took a picture of the porch, and you'll see a great big yellow orb on that porch. Do you expect these these experiences to continue while we are still living on that property, or do you ever plan on getting experts in there to maybe try and loosen things up a little bit so it's not as aggressive? Well, I, you know, I don't know how to get asked for sin. I asked that one person, but I guess it was too far or something for them to travel. I'm really not sure how they could how they could blow them out of here. Um, I've tried the saging. I've tried a lot of different things um, to get them out of here. Um, I don't imagine it's very good. And that that photo of that retellion was not was not a happy time. That was another time I was called out. I I don't know how to, you know, I. I I don't know, and then it costs, you know, then it costs a fortune to have somebody to do it. So it's a matter of I have a finite retirement income. So um, I don't know if they're still here, given that it said last levitation, Jesus. I don't know what that is. I just know that I've had this stuff my whole life. It just seems because of the conditions, like I, I laid out in my book, because of how the earth is and the gases. and it, it's, it's an energy issue that's addressed on my book, and because of that, I think it's amplified the situation. You know what I mean? I, I think if I move from here, it, it would be less intense. But this is a crazy house. I mean, I've been trying to... I have a gorgeous home on a very nice property. And everybody comes here and says, oh, my God, it's so beautiful. Right. But the thing my, is, my, my dear, been, I, I apologize. I, I do have to wrap this thing up because it is that time. 
Jeanette Latulipe, thank you so much for being on Spaced Out Radio tonight. If you are listening in on the terrestrial radio side, you hear Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. He brings us in and takes us home every single night. Tomorrow night on the program, get your pen and paper ready. We're going to be doing our live Ghost Box session, one of our most popular programs with Bill Hauser from the Canadian Paranormal Society. Bill is a well-respected Ghost Box advocate for communicating with spirits, and we want you to join along with us as well, 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time. We want to thank our terrestrial radio stations, WQEE, 99 Rock the Key down in Noonan, Georgia, and 107.7 FM in New Orleans, the United Public Radio Network, for bringing us live to you, our audience, who's sitting in your cars, your workplaces, your home. Maybe we're putting you to bed at night. Hopefully not until after the show. Thank you so much for being with us. Reminder, our website is spacedoutradio.com, and you can go to patreon.com at any time to become a patron of Spaced Out Radios for as low as $1 a month. And while on our website, make sure you check out our really cool features that we have for you as well, including the Encounter Online, our brand new news section brought to you by Everett Themer and Eric Markham. Good to have you along. We will be back in 21 hours from now. Appreciate you taking the time. Mr. Bumblefoot, take us home. Good night.